Pickaxe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Video Game Movie Podcast with myself, Rory Jocelyn quick, of quick Cyberpunk question, Studios. Quick, and, quick and, question, and quick question. Straight off the bat. Quick question. I noticed in the last few episodes you've dropped the definite article from the title, so it's no longer the Video Game Movie Podcast. Well, it, Are we yeah. dropping the definite article? Uh, yeah, it's not, in the, it's not on the artworks. Isn't it? No. I think you need to fire whoever did those. <laughs> And that twat was uh, Jamie Evans. Chris Redfield. <laughs> Chris Redfield, you wish. You wish you had the big arms and the bolder punching skills. I don't know, that seems like a lot of work, actually. It, well, yes. I think, who who would you be if you could be anyone in Resident Evil Universe? I mean, let's be honest, let's be honest, we'd be shit characters. You can be Dario Rosso. <laughs> I'll be Brad Vickers. Because Dario Rosso, that's the, the guy, the guy who in, in the three truck, who hides in the truck, who's like, Why I just I lost my daughter out the there. Who, who did you say you'd I'll be Brad Vickers. I'll take a face full of Nemesis. At least you get... <laughs> <laughs> you get two games. I'm like some cowardly twat in one of them. Well, Brad Vickers is such a coward. His nickname is literally Chickenheart. Yeah. Yeah, but you get posters and you get some on I, there. I am on the cover of Resident Evil 3, to be fair. That's true. That's true. So you, look, you give yourself so, uh, more as, than me. As the audience can po- potentially <laughs> guess... We are doing the one film I have looked forward to all year. Resident Evil Degeneration. God damn you. (laughs) Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. Which I've got to admit... I still don't like that title. It still it's sounds too long. lame. Oh, I mean, even if it was just Welcome to Raccoon City, I think it would be a bit better because it'd be a bit shorter, but I can understand removing the Resident Evil name on there probably would have been bad for sales. First of all, before we kick off and talk about the film itself... Should we talk about how difficult it was to actually see it? Fuck me! This was the most <laughs> difficult film I've ever tried to watch. So, um, yeah. in the UK, so bear in mind, we are aware that we're two weeks late, in quotation marks. So, two weeks ago, from this podcast release, it was released in a America. So we're two weeks late for that. Yeah, it was a staggered release, wasn't it? That's right. And it was a week ago from the release of this podcast that it came out in the UK. So we've had to wait for the UK because yeah. that's where we live. And we wanted to go see it on the day it came out, didn't we? On Friday yeah. the 3rd of December. Friday the 3rd. So we, we went and checked. Now, our local cinema, it's the Odeon, none of the Odeons in the UK were showing it. Yeah, there's not a, one. No. There's a really cool independent cinema called Movie Star in Canvey Island. They weren't showing it. In fact, the only cinema in the whole of Essex showing it was Cineworld Basildon. So in the whole of Essex, in really? In the whole of Essex. I, couldn't, I, I did look. I mean, maybe there was a few independent ones that I missed. But in terms of, like, large, sort of, at least the larger ones, we did mm. check a couple of small ones, it seemed to only be Cineworld in Basildon that was showing it. Wow. Now, to add even more complication to that problem... Because of the times that I had available versus the times that Jamie had available, I had to go and watch it at a different time to Jamie. In fact, I saw it a couple of days before he did. I went to Cineworld Basildon on my motorbike in the pouring rain, frozen thighs, <laughs> like a like a, a, a like Claire Redfield, like a twelve day old KFC. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the Cineworld on my own to watch this film. I bought the tickets online. I got there on time. Sat down. It came up with the 15 logo with a BBFC age rating. And then nothing. That happened about three times. And then the guy walks in and goes, uh, Sorry, yeah, the download for Welcome to Raccoon City is corrupt. So we've tried downloading it again and a few more times. And it just won't play past mm. the BBFC logo. 
because the file's corrupt. So I got a free ticket and a refund. I was going to say, I hope they refunded you. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, to Cineworld Basildon, they gave me a refund and a free ticket. Mm. So I went two days later on Sunday with my girlfriend, and thankfully it was working at that point. But it was just, it was like the only cinema anywhere near local, and it didn't work. I was legitimately, I'm not joking here, like when you messaged me to tell me that had happened, I literally genuinely believed in my heart of hearts, I was literally like, I'm never going to get to see this movie. Yeah. So I went on release day, and it wasn't working. Mm. And I doubt that that was just an issue at Basildon. Yeah. Because it was a it was a corrupted download, which suggests to me that Cineworld was the only people broadcasting it in the UK, and on release day, zilch. They'd had to have refunded a lot because the download was corrupt. I don't know that as a fact, but I can only assume so. It's It would be weird that only Basildon couldn't download the correct file. Yeah. So Resident Evil's sales numbers, which we will come to later, I know you've looked those up, may not be... As good as they maybe should have been, yeah. based on the fact that there were shed loads of refunds yeah. from a corrupt download and, by and, Sony. And a lot of towns, like our town, South End, a lot of towns only have an Odeon. Yes. Odeon is the biggest cinema chain in the country. My hometown, Mansfield, only has an Odeon. Yeah. The town I went to uni, Lincoln, only has an Odeon. Have I just given away all my personal information on here? Yep. Are people hacking me right now? Anyway, point is... What was your first pet's name? Point is... Oh, <laughs> we're not going there. Um, point is... Barry. Um, <laughs> point is, a lot of towns only have an Odeon. If you don't have a Cineworld and don't have the ability to travel to a Cineworld like we did... Then you can't see it. Then you can't see the film. No. It's You're that screwed. simple. So, uh, yeah, so basically the, all we wanted to do is just preface the fact that this was a bore lake to go and watch. Mm. Now, that's not a slant on the film. That's not necessarily the prop fault of the director or anything like that. Can I just talk about my but, experience quickly? No. Well, I'm going to. <laughs> so, the delay actually ended up being fortuitous for me. Because I actually then ended up going on Monday, uh, the following Monday after the release date, and ended up going to a 4DX showing. Yeah. Now, I've never been to a 4DX cinema experience before. I think you should explain what 4DX is for the audience. So basically, 4DX is an immersive experience where basically the chairs you're in are on hydraulics and they sort of move in time with things going on in the film particularly during jump scares the chairs kind of tilt you backwards on the build up and then rocket you forward when the jump scare happens they also have immersive effects like they were during the outdoor scenes they had wind machines creating wind and they you had sure the bloke in front of you just wasn't far no I'm sure <laughs> and they had they were piping mist in he shat himself um, <laughs> They had flash bulbs that went off at certain points. Okay. And they had uh, water spray that was when the um, when you get like blood splatter at the screen. Sure. It would spray you with water. And it was it was really interesting. Like I went in not knowing what to expect from a four DX experience. And whilst it's not something I would do all the time because for starters it's expensive, it was like seventeen pounds per ticket. Yeah. It's a good experience for certain films. I am curious to try it for the new Spider-Man movie. Because I, I imagine what those seats will do when you're swinging through buildings and things. I don't know. I don't I think there's any jump scares in the sky. I think they'll rock back and forth with the motion. Though. Yeah. Why don't you go to sleep? You'd be like Maybe. a baby in a cradle. <laughs> Maybe. Like, <laughs> Shall we get on with the film itself? Start on the pro- Indeed. Pro- pro- now, just to say before we 
fully start, I did take notes in the cinema. I had to rewrite them because I had eight pages of mostly ineligible scrawl where I'd been like, it looked like I was drunk because I was sometimes writing over my other notes because I was doing it in the dark. But I'd managed to get pretty much everything across that and needed. So we do have a point by point on the story. In that case, we're not going to be much different from normal, which is Mm. great. So the first note is the intro. La, 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 la. You must remember that bit of the intro. It's like the, as, as the, the time's the coming. Yeah, you got that stupid la 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 la. No, I don't remember that. Well, you will next time you see it. You'll be like, oh, it's that stupid la la la. Either that, I, I, I doubt that they would have cut anything out of the 4DX version. Mm. So we open in the orphanage, as Jamie stated, the orphanage from Resident Evil 2 remake. Yep. Lisa Trevor wakes up a girl in a bed. We later find out it's Claire Redfield yep. as a child, and then skulks away. Dr. Birkin's name is mentioned, but we don't see him yet, which connects the orphanage to Umbrella. Claire then follows Lisa Trevor to a playroom where she talks to Lisa Trevor and Lisa Trevor then grabs her face. So yes. we, we're getting she's, she's, quite, she's quite hidden. Yes. Like they're not showing her in full light at this point. She's hidden in that tent structure. Yes, yeah, so she's a bit creepy, but she's also given a slightly more sympathetic vibe. Yeah, uh, in, in the way that it's shot, but it's, obviously there is that whole point of you don't know whether Lisa Trevor's going to kill her or attack her or do what, whatever. What I will say before we jump to the next part of the story, the orphanage playroom that Lisa Trevor goes to was actually kind of a dead ringer for the atrium area mm. of the orphanage in Resident Evil 2 Remake, down to the, you know, you get them jigsaw mats yeah. with the numbers on them, the crocodile toy... Yeah, which All is of that. also from Resident Evil 7 as well. Oh, is it in Resident Evil 7 as well? Yeah, okay. Capcom reused assets, baby. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but all of those things were a really good reproduction of the atrium from Resident Evil 2 Remake. And also the exterior, where you have the big doors and the mm. paintwork. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's just, on. let's just say up front, the set designer on this film deserves a lot of praise. Absolutely. Because they have recreated so much from the games so faithfully. Yeah. Yeah, Which I is mean, something we never ever got. Not in one of those Anderson movies no. is anything recreated from the games. Well, with me, I'm comparing this very strongly with the 2002 mm. Resident Evil, the first one. The one that we actually covered last week. Mm. And the reason that I'm comparing it is because, A, they're both the first of a new take yep. on the series. But also, because the Anderson ones have such a legacy, whether rightly or wrongly or positively or negatively... I think it's important to see how this one compares to that. I think a lot of people will be doing such comparisons anyway, to be honest. So when Lisa Trevor grabs her face, it then does like a jump scare to her waking up with a star inside the truck Mm. that you would expect to see at the beginning of Resident Evil 2's cinematics. With the guy eating the burger. With the guy eating the burger. Bit bit of a different guy, though. This guy's a... A creepy, creepy pervert. Yeah, so I want to talk about him a little bit. First of all, the date comes up on the screen. Yeah. Uh, for no. 30th of September, 1998. And let's just be clear here, because this is not necessarily a failing of the film, but, oh boy, will this film remind you constantly of the that time. it's set in 1998. Yeah. There are a lot of jokes. I quite like that, though. I did, but there were times where it was overdone. Like, there was slight skipping ahead but why on earth did brian irons need to bring up blockbuster video be- yeah, no, beyond being like hey guys remember the 90s yeah yeah so uh, yeah I'll, I'll agree with you on things like blockbuster video but i did like the fact that 
and we'll come to this later again, Wesker gets a palm pilot rather yeah. than having like some sci-fi super futuristic technology. And we'll it's get... just what was advanced for its time. Yeah, and we'll get to that as well because that's yeah. an interesting reference that we'll talk about later. Sure. So Claire wakes up in this truck. The tr- now here's the thing with the truck driver. As soon as she wakes up, I noticed this. I don't know if you noticed the truck driver's dialogue is basically all bullshit. It's just pointless exposition, and the way it's done is kind of a bit ham-fisted. Yeah. Essentially, when she wakes up with the start, he goes, Hey, you having a nightmare there? Well, where did you say you're going? Did you say you're going Raccoon, Raccoon City? City? Well, Why would you Rac- want to go there? there. Raccoon's garbage. Yeah. Oh, you said your brother was there. She says nothing. Yeah. The whole scene, he's just telling her her story while she's and, just sitting there. And to off. be fair, let's be clear, because we're analysing this as well. This is the problem that everyone was worried about when this film's plot got announced. The fact that two games have been smashed together. Yes. This is not the first scene where characters will literally just exposition dump. Yeah. Because they have to. Because there's so much to get across in this movie. And they don't have five hours to do it. Yeah, because the film is only 107 minutes. Wow, it's not even two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, take out credits, you're looking at maybe an hour and 40 minutes this film yeah, yeah, runs yeah. and you've got to do the events of two games yeah I think that was a bad move but we'll come and discuss that maybe towards the end once yeah. we sort of get through what happens so the trucker keeps talking to her she kind of zones out looking out the window not really giving a shit and eventually he puts his hand on her thigh just like hey maybe you should go where I'm going and we see from behind them that there's this girl walking into the middle of the road yeah which Claire sees he turns around but doesn't get to break in time so he hits her with the truck yeah just like in the Resi 2 remake the, opening yep so the girl we know we know she's a zombie. We already know. Because the way she's walking, the fact she's in the middle of the piss in rain in just a gown, and the fact that we've seen Resident Evil 2 Remake, the zombie girl flies down the road into a heap. Claire and the trucker get out, and the trucker's just like, oh, it wasn't me. You saw that. There was no way I could have avoided it, right? Yeah, you, you you're my that. witness. It wasn't my, my fault. Yeah, Claire doesn't really care. She's just like, right, we need to call this in. We need to call the police. Oh, well, you know it wasn't my fault, blah, blah, blah. The girl gets up while they're arguing mm. and walks off. We see that in the background while they're arguing with each other. They eventually turn around and notice the girl is gone, and the trucker's dog is coming out, licking the blood off the road, and whatever meat is there. And at the end, the trucker goes, oh, well, you can stay here if you want, but I'm going. And we end in a... I put a cheesy crap pan on the zombie and Claire. So this might be our first main disagreement. Yeah, it might be. The reason I thought it was cheesy was it didn't feel like a natural push-in on Claire. I don't know why. I can understand why it should feel like the right move, But it just felt forced to me. So this bit, this shot that happens here, is the shot where I finally... So obviously, it's well documented on this show and on my previous podcast. And to anyone who's ever listened to me speak for more than 10 minutes, it's well documented how personally betrayed I felt by the Anderson movies and how nervous I've been coming into this film because of how much I've been done dirty in the past. And this shot was the shot that made me go, I think I'm in safe hands this time. It was a very Romero-esque shot. Because you wouldn't have got this in a Anderson one. No, he no. would have made it big and bold. But basically, oh, and Claire then Alice is... would have slammed through the truck yeah. by her boobs. Basically, <laughs> Claire is staring into the forest... And she's staring, and you can barely see it. Like, I had to lean forward. I was like, is there anything actually in there? And there is. The zombie is standing there staring at her. And I I, I got chills. I was like, 
this film might actually be scary. While we might disagree on whether or not it f- really works as an aesthetic or whatever as, as a shot, fine. But it kind of goes against the point of a zombie, which is, you know, it got up while there was fresh meat available to it and just wandered off into the woods and then turned around and just stared at Claire. But this is... So, uh, again, and we'll get into this later, it technically isn't a zombie yet. But it must be if it was hit by the truck. No, it mustn't be. This thing, I think what it is... They they don't become superhuman before they zombify. We don't know that in this universe. I I, I think... If if they're going to change it to that level, then it should have been explained in some way. I think that the reason it doesn't go for her is because there is enough human left in it at that stage that it knows it's outnumbered, so it retreats to the... To the woods. I think that's a leap you've put in there. I don't. There's there, while I agree that there's no dialogue to dismiss it. There's also nothing in the film to support it, other than the fact that the film clearly shows that they're not because actual yeah, but, zombies don't turn up in this film till about forty minutes. In. Okay, no, I get that, but the, again, I still think it's a stretch by you because having been hit by the truck, she would be dead. Therefore, mm. she would be a zombie when she gets up. She would have yeah. to be. She couldn't have survived the truck hitting her in that way if she was still alive. Yeah, I guess maybe it's meant to be that the, the brain just hasn't degenerated Enough. to that point. Maybe. So she's still got some human instinct left, maybe. Yeah, it's, just a, it's hard to line it up. and I, It's clearly just done for the visual, mm. which is fine. But I, I just wanted to say, when I watched it, I, I did feel a bit of a disconnect with that moment. Right. Then we get loads of text on the screen explaining the status of Raccoon City. Yeah. Basically, exposition dump. Yeah. Raccoon and City is this... I would um, like to point out, because yeah. I got chills at this moment... For the title font, yeah. it is the original 1996 Resident Evil logo. Yes, it is. And that put a smile on my face. Yeah. Again, this whole production for this film, while I I, I just shat on a bit of it there, and there will be more of this as we go from both of us, I assume, but we did enjoy this film, and there's no getting around the fact that there were some wonderful little touches for fans mm. placed throughout it. I, I will say, I think, uh, maybe this is the too, too early to say it, but I'll say it anyway... I genuinely think that this film is unique amongst video game films that have been made so far mm. in the sense that this one feels very strongly to So as we've talked in, about in what before, way sorry can you just finish that Well this is what I'm going to yeah, say yeah. so I, we've talked before about how when you adapt a video game to a film you also have to bear in mind the non-gamers in the audience. Yes. This is the first time I've ever seen a video game film where it feels very much, and it is to the detriment of the film, because the film's box office is garbage, but it feels like they went, fuck the general audience. Yeah. This is for the Resident Evil fans. Uh, No, we've already done something that did exactly the same. In fact, to a harder degree. What was that? Sega Hard Girls. Oh, for God's sake. Sega Hard Girls does I'm nothing talking, for non-gamers. I'm talking, it barely does anything for Sega fans. I'm talking live-action Hollywood productions. Because Hollywood always wants to cater to the Oh, you're an elitist. Audience. No, but you know what I mean? Hollywood always <laughs> wants that dollar, so they're always chasing... No, I know what you mean. I'm joking. The next story element, Leon wakes up in a start in his bed, actually covered in his sheet like a, a stereotypical ghost. Yeah, hungover. Yep. He pulls the covers off and he looks like Jesus. Which, well, that, so first things first. <laughs> it's, it's not racing, he just looks like Jesus because of the way that the, the hair, hair and the beard. And yeah. yeah. The hangover also gave me uh, 
faith because what a lot of people don't know because it's not in the game itself but the official backstory of Leon, Leon was late because he was partying and he was hung over yeah yeah that, that was a nice touch though we'll get to Leon in a bit I'm not a big fan of how they did Leon in this we'll get to that so we then cut to a diner which is I believe a diner that was shown in the original Resident Emmy's Evil diner yeah but it wasn't in the remake obviously it was replaced with the petrol station in the remake yeah. but Emmy's diner is in this and at the diner, Leon is asleep at the counter, still hungover. Inside there, you've got three stars members, which is Richard Aiken, because he's in Alpha Team in this particular film, even though obviously in the game canon he's in Bravo. Bravo. You've got Wesker, and you've got Jill. And later on, we get two Bravo members come in who are named as Julian Marini, though I never really figured out who was who. Were they Bravo team? They were, because they're the I same they people they ge- found at the mansion. Were they? They were Julian Marini. Yeah. I thought they were generic coppers. Yeah, because they don't look anything like the characters from the game. They're dressed like generic coppers, mm. but they are supposed to be Julian Marini. Oh, okay. and uh, But I could not tell you which one was meant to be which. Yeah. And they were the only Bravo team members mentioned. They never mentioned Rebecca. Rebecca. They never mentioned Richard Jos- Aiken, because obviously he's jumped ship. Yeah, they Joseph Frost Joseph isn't Frost. in uh, Forest Spire. Yeah. They're, they're yeah, all forgotten that, about. That was disappointing because I love in the original game, uh, he's been pecked to death by crows. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, so if you're a fan of either of those characters for their very short screen time in Resident Evil games anyway, and, you're out of luck. As we've already alluded to, there's a fuck ton of Easter eggs and references in this film. Okay. This is where, and most of them are good. This, this, is, is, this where, is one that I want to, so I think you're going to get to it. Before we get to that line, and we're going to get to that line, and I want, I, I think we're both in agreement it's got to go in the worst lines ever um, it's not worst line ever but it's oh, so in the worst lines ever forced it yeah. was really but that's forced. why it has to go in the worst lines ever there yeah. isn't really any other lines in this that would go oh, in no she has a worse one later okay, that well, alright well you'll remind me of that when we get to it so Jill bets with Wesker the Wesker balances what was it a bottle of water a ketchup a ketchup, a bottle, ketchup bottle on Leon's sleepy head. Yeah. And then he bets with Jill that she couldn't shoot it off of his head. Yeah. So she pulls out her real gun and he's like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? No, I meant with this and hands her a water pistol. And he's yeah, it's, just, a, it's a dart gun. Oh, is it? Okay. She, she fires the dart onto his head. Oh, yeah, of course she? he does. He goes, no, I meant with this. She goes, okay, well, you bet me, I don't know how much it was, 10 or $100 or something. And she went, oh, that's easy. And rather than shoot him with it, she throws it. Yeah, and smacks which I liked. With it. I did. That like was a that. nice bit, but that kind of shows an element of Jill that's very crucial in this film, which is that she is a bit more sassy, but she's also a shit hot shot. Yeah. Whether she's shooting or throwing, she's yeah. a shit hot shot, and that, that actually goes. To be fair, that's a, a yeah. character trait that's throughout. She's and, never naff, and she's got this flirtatious relationship with Wesker. Yes. that she didn't have in the original. Um, I will come to Wesker later because yeah. I have some thoughts on Wesker. Yeah, certain characters we need to actually uh, deconstruct because yeah. th- there's been some wild changes. Wesker's one of them. Let's get the plot summary done Sure. First. So, the line that I would submit for the worst lines ever, and we'll discuss the one that you have later and compare, see which one deserves to go in. Jill then steals the last sandwich, which is Wesker's sandwich. He goes, hey, that's mine. She goes, you snooze, you lose. It's a Jill sandwich now. Now, I kind of don't know what to feel about it because I kind of understand that if you're doing something for the fans, you need to add the Jill sandwich line somewhere. Yeah, and I, it's not—it's not the worst adaptation of the Jill sandwich. At least it's not sexualized. Chris has a crush on Jill, but Jill likes Wesker. Yeah, it's a bit teeny romance. And I had it's this not horrible, very well done. Either. I had this horrible feeling that the Jill sandwich reference was going to be a sexual thing. It's just forced, and I have to. It would have been even... a bit hammy if it had been a. <sighs> Man. Even as a fan, 
I rolled my eyes at the yeah. Jill sandwich line. I was like, yeah. oh, God. Did we need the Jill sandwich line? In the film, there is a few elements where they try and add humour, and it sometimes doesn't land. This is something I will say. The film is far funnier than I thought it would yes, be. Yes, yes. There's a joke later on, and we'll get there, but there is a scene later on. We'll see if the audience who've seen it can guess what it is. Yeah. There's a scene that most reviews are singling out as, like, the worst scene in the film. Right. But I think it is fucking hilarious. Right. I think we might be in contention, because if it's the one I'm thinking of, it, I thought it was terrible. <laughs> uh, and, in fact, uh, I, well, I watched this with Susie, who's never played any of the games, and yeah. if it's the one I'm thinking of, she thought it was shite as well. Yeah. So, the big fat cop, either Dooley or Marini fuck knows who is who mm. is a dick to Leon but then reveals to Wesker I think that there was a body found at the Spencer Mansion woo Spencer Mansion woo and then all but Leon leave uh, yeah. to go and do whatever they're doing Leon then notices that the waitress's eye starts bleeding that was quite cool I yeah, it was that. a nice little element that she's ill but she's not quite that ill yet mm. it's just a start and then a zombie crow flies into the window and spanks yeah. itself after death yeah, and this was one shot that was a bit weird. Like, did you feel the camera held on the crow a little too long? It felt like we saw too much of it. it yeah, it was like ten full seconds. Yeah, and it was like I, I, I get it after five. So should be half the length. Shall we mention at this point? I think this is the point to mention it because this is one of the big changes from the games. Although this is far more accurate to the games than the Anderson films oh, are. I, I don't think it could be much less. It's, it's that thing. It couldn't have been less. It's very much its own thing still. Basically... It's got its own canon going on. This guy, Johannes Roberts, was given the task of doing two games in one film. And he has had to. And for the most part, he's done it quite well. For the most part, there's a few bad points. But for the most part, he's had to pick which bits of the games are essential Mm. and find a way of Frankensteining them together. Because in the game canon, Resident Evil 1 takes place three months before Resident Evil. Yeah, it's in July, isn't it? And then it's three months. End of September is two and three. But all Um, of it happens at the end of September in this film. But basically, in this film, Umbrella have been leaking minute amounts of T-virus into Raccoon City's water supply for God knows how long. To be fair, that is in the games as well. I know you probably already know that, but you might have... So, in the games, it's it's an accidental (laughs) overspill from the dead factory. Yeah, but I remember that the the Night Watchman Mm. mentions in his diary that he goes and plays chess with a guy who works at the water recycling plant. Yeah. And then that guy starts changing more because he's more exposed to it, and then everyone else starts suffering the effects of it. In the the games, and I understand why, because games are games and they want to get you into the gameplay straight away. Yeah, of course. In all the games, zombies are pretty much zombies right from the beginning of the game. Yes. Whereas in this film, you see the slow change from people to zombies. And it's very hard to do anything new in the zombie genre, because zombies have been done to death, Mm. if you'll excuse the pun. (gasps) Um, But... Johannes Roberts has at least tried to do something new. Yes. And for the most part, I think, succeeded. Yeah, there's a couple of bits where I'll question it, but actually, I I liked the concept. I I didn't think the concept was bad at all. We then cut back to Claire. She's dropped off in Raccoon City by the trucker. We didn't see her get back in the truck. I wondered if she'd been abandoned in the street, Mm. but no, she 
She gets dropped off by the trucker and he drives off. When he drives off, his dog is salivating constantly and its eyes have gotten kind of gasped. Cataracty. Yeah, gone, yeah, kind of a thingy. We and know where this is going. Absolutely. And the trucker is stroking his dog's face, going, hey, what's up, boy? You're drooling. Like, have you got an ill? You know, you better not be ill. I haven't got insurance for you. And then the dog bites his hand and he's just like, oh, you bit my hand, oh, you bastard. And I like, I thought this was an interesting way for the trucker to get infected. Yeah, I thought it was a really good way of doing it. We then cut away from the trucker. Mm. We'll come back to him later. He does reappear. And we see Claire knocking on some random house door now what i would like to say is it's chrissy's house but we've got no information as to why she's at this house or knocking on it at the time we find that out after she's already broken in and sees chris mm. and the house is not a nice house it's a horrible shacky sort of poor home well, in the middle did of you, did you notice there's a weird bit mm. of and it's weird because it's not very explored. It's just an offhand mention. Mm. But there is a weird classism thing in this film. There where is. they basically establish that the majority of the town are quite poor. Yeah. And it's only the people who directly work for Umbrella that actually have, have any money. money. Yeah. Because even, even like Chief Irons and that don't appear to be full of money, even though he's the chief no, of police. No, he's very badly like groomed, isn't he? <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's very much that nobody has cash. It's yeah. a dead town and nobody's got any money, regardless I, of your status. I will just say because obviously we're not Americans. I was listening to some reviews from Americans where they were saying that stuff like this does happen in America. You get small towns where the entire town is owned by a one corporation, usually an oil company. Right. And there is actually one, there's one called Newtown in Ohio where this entire town was built just for the employees of this yeah, big yeah. firm to live. And when the firm moves out, which is in this case, in this Umbrella film, was Umbrella moving is out, moving out, yeah. the, the, the town dies. Yeah. Um, and They're ghost does, towns, aren't they, in America? Yeah. Literal ghost towns. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas in this country, it's really, it's too, there's not it's enough space small, for yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah, no, so this is a quite an accurate thing that does happen. Yeah. Do you reckon it, when an oil company moves into like a small town in America, they have little slogans like, oil be great? I don't know. I didn't think that joke through. I'll see myself out. Did you pick up another reference in this scene? Yes. So there's a motorbike. No, no, there's another reference. Yeah, there's a helmet. Yeah, the football helmet. Oh, I didn't know. No, well, I missed that entirely. Un- unless I am mistaken. He, he's not a footballer. Unless though, I'm mistaken, the football helmet that she picks up is the helmet that you find, I believe it's Jack's helmet, you find in the Baker house in Resident Evil 7. Oh, I wouldn't have got that because I haven't finished Resident Evil yeah. 7. Fair enough. It might be. It might not be. I, I do not know. So, Claire knocks on the door. Nobody answers. It's as if there's no one in the house at all. She turns around. There's a balding ginger kid in the house next door mm. through the window, waves at her. And because of the way that the events go, she doesn't really wave back. It just looked to me like this balding ginger kid waves at her and she's like, shit. So she pulls out a knife and breaks in. And I was like, it's, it's, at first I was like, is she going to knife the chick well, to kid? Be, to kid's be like, fair, Hello. she also no, sees the creepy mum as well. She does, And yeah. they look like an inbred family. Yeah, because they're both losing their hair, aren't they? Going bald on top and looks a, look both look a bit vacant. It was just weird that it's like bald ginger kid waves. She's like, get the knife. But she only uses it to break in. We then find out it's Chris's house because she picks up a picture of Chris with the stars members, I think. Yes. And she says, and, and Claire actually has this line, still pining after Jill, I see. Never going to happen, bro. Yeah. Like proper cucking and ball burger. He's <laughs> uh, got no She's warm for Wesker's for. Yeah, exactly. There's also a picture of an adult Chris 
yeah. with Dr. Birkin. So we knew, obviously, he was at the orphanage as a child. We now see that he's still got some form of relationship with yeah, Birkin th- as an adult. This is an interesting thing, a new angle that is not in the games at all. Exactly. The idea that William Birkin was almost a surrogate father figure for Chris. Yeah, and I think it's because they need to... I'd say shoehorn, but it actually worked quite nicely in the story. They to change the character dynamic of Claire and Chris mm. to add them somehow more into the story as a personal thing because Claire because ran they weren't, away. Yeah, <laughs> and also they weren't both necessarily orphans in the original. They are. They're in the cabin, right. they're both orphans, but Chris raises Claire. But there's no explanation that they weren't raised in Raccoon City's orphanage. No, yeah? this is the thing. In canon, it, in I'm canon, not sure that they're from Raccoon City. No, Team. in canon, I'm fairly certain, correct me if I'm wrong, Internet, I'm fairly certain they're originally from New York. New York! And, they, and Chris moves to Raccoon for work. Because Chris gets into stars in the games via Barry. Mm. Him and Barry serve in the Air Force together. But there's no Barry in this film. Then Barry gets recruited to stars and kind of gets Chris a job. Yeah. yeah. Let's pick it up a little bit because we're going to be here all night. (laughs) No, fair enough. I did like this scene. I liked the interplay between them. I didn't. I hated it. No, so I I put here, the siblings are angry, bad dialogue and cheesy as fuck. The reason being that the dialogue doesn't have any real emotion behind it. It feels like a teen drama, written as a teen drama, and to be honest, it doesn't involve the story. There's so much of it just saying the same stuff. He's bad, Chris. Oh, well, you know, you just think that because you ran away. Oh, no, but he is bad, and Umbrella's bad. No, Umbrella's paying for my job. Oh, but Umbrella is bad, Chris. You should really understand they're bad. Here's a video of some random dude who's called Ben Bertolucci who thinks they're bad. Yeah, but he's wrong. He's a whack job because they are good and they pay for my job. And it's just like, get the fuck on with it. You know, if you've got so little time, don't waste it with crap banter that doesn't go anywhere. Oh, no, I I liked the banter. It didn't build... yeah, I, I, we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. I Maybe if I watch it again, it might come across a bit better, but it just yeah. felt it felt hackneyed, mm. that dialogue to me. just felt hackneyed. It wasn't necessarily that the problem between the two siblings was a bad idea. I just didn't like the delivery. Yeah. And it's not the actor's fault. It's in the script. Claire shows Chris a videotape of Ben Bertolucci talking about the poisoned water. I've put here that Ben's acting in this video is shit. Chris mm. is just spending the whole time fucking moaning. Mm. The whole sequence with Chris and Claire is just Chris moaning like a little bitch and then going to work. Mm. That's it. And Ben didn't come across believably in it, but I might have been viewing Ben a little bit wrong in this. Because I remember Ben Bertolucci. He's a journalist who exposes things. Yes. In this, it appears that they've removed that part of him and he's yeah, just some weird so, internet kook. So, fun fact, um, although the character is named Ben Bertolucci, he has much more in common with the non-canon character, Billy Rabbitson, I think it is. Rabbitson. Um, I think it's Billy Rabbitson, who is a non-canon character in the original Resident Evil novelisation written by S.D. Perry. Right. In that novelisation, Chris plays the Claire role, where Billy has contacted Chris to warn him that Umbrella are evil. Right. And Chris is kind of the one who at the beginning is like... I think we should investigate Umbrella. And Wesker, 
who we all know obviously turns out to be evil, yeah, yeah, yeah. he kind of goes to him, you've got no evidence, we're not going to investigate Umbrella. Sure. Whereas that's more Claire's role here, is she's the one going... She's the one who's got the inside scoop, as it were. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you may disagree, I don't know how you feel about that, but I didn't like the way that Ben was portrayed in the scene, and I just got really fucked off with Chris moaning. I, no, I, I didn't feel that. Now, to be fair, I will admit, I need to see this film a second time, because I so, think... Well, I think we all do, I, really, but... I was just so... Because I'm a huge Resident Evil fan, and I was so giddy with excitement to see a Resident Evil film that wasn't played with Mila Jovovich. I, 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 I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit disappointed that Alice didn't make an appearance in this. Because like, I will stab you. <laughs> you need all the characters from the original canon. Oh, just get on with it. <laughs> Okay, sorry, that's a joke, guys. Sherry Birkin then wakes up from a nightmare randomly. With... Did you notice which monster she's describing she's had a nightmare about? No. A hunter. Ah, interesting. Mm. So, no, I did miss that. Well done. Dr. Birkin, her father, soothes her, then gets a phone call, and I noted it seemed to be when Dr. Birkin's on the phone... It's clearly green screen. It, yeah, and it's a really bad yeah, job. Yeah. He, he was clearly filmed... On a it's, different it's a day. good idea for a shot if it had all been filmed on one day. Yeah, but it on was a set. Awful. But he clearly was filmed later. Yeah, and it, it didn't work. I'm glad you caught that because I was like, "Is it just me? It looks really fucking shit." The call is bad news, so he hurries his family out of the house and his wife, who we assume is Annette, but we you know, never says she is. No, it? and to be honest, in this, forget Annette Birkin from the game. She's just generic mum in this whole film. Yeah, she's one of the characters who's been heavily nixed to expedite the plot. Warning sirens go off, so Chris goes to the station. Which, by the way, reminded me of Silent Hill. Much more Silent Hill, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if that was maybe a hint for Silent Hill fans or what. It's a generic bomb siren, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of like a warning siren, I suppose. But at the same time, it it, it very much, when you're talking about horror video games, is way more connected with Silent Hill than Resident Evil. Um, Yeah. I don't know why we're bothering. He then says to Claire, get out of here and don't touch the bike. Then the, the woman from next door... Starts banging on the back door. On the glass, yeah. yeah. And she's written itchy tasty on the glass in her own blood. Great reference. Yeah, which is a great reference. Kind of meaningless in how it's placed, but it's at least a reference for fans in the game. I didn't hate it. It just obviously, the itchy tasty in the games was because of the de-evolution of the mind of a researcher who was infected. This is just written there for fans. But as a reference, it's fine. I don't have a problem with it. And then she breaks through the door and attacks Claire. So Claire gets on the motorbike and leaves. You get you get a line from Resident Evil 2 Remake just before that. Do you? Where there's the, the young boy is hiding under the table. Mm. And she goes, little boy, let me help you. And he goes, you need help. Oh, and where's that, that in that the is Remake? In, in Remake 2, that is just before Claire fights Birkin for the first time. She meets Sherry. Oh, she goes, yeah, let me help I forgot you, about the line. Yeah, no, You need good. help. He's behind you, she says. And right. then Birkin attacks her. Sure. We then see the RPD, the Raccoon City Police Department exterior. Game accurate. Absolutely game accurate. However, fucking awful CGI of... of the backdrop. No, 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 of Chief Irons at the RPD window. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, so as it moves in, there's Chief Irons at the window moving and talking, mm. but the actual composition of it is fucking awful. Oh, right, okay. I mean, it looks like something a fan would have done about 20 years ago. It's terrible. 
And um, to be fair, let's just point out, this film has a lower budget than any of the Anderson movies. Yeah, and literally yeah. less than any of them. Again, we are slagging off certain elements of it. It's mostly myself at the moment. But script-wise, it is far superior to any of the Anderson films. Oh, yeah, I think this is far better than any yeah, of yeah. the Anderson films. So Chief Irons debriefs stars, and Leon turns up, right, right, because so he thinks he's been called for the meeting as well. Can we make... Here, I'm going to have a quick mention of two things. One is the line that I think is even worse than Jill Sandwich. Yep. So another reference to the games, we cut to that scene, and Jill Valentine is just in the middle of a conversation in which she says... How would you rather die? Be swallowed whole by a snake or by a giant or by a great white shark? Which is this, a reference to Resident Evil 1 remake. Yes, because Richard Eichen, who she's talking to, dies one of two ways. Can be killed yeah. by Yawn or by Neptune. I missed that line while I was writing down a previous note. Yeah. And I figured it was something to do with that, but I couldn't yeah. write it down in time. But it's just like, why would she pick those two things? Of all well, because the things. It's, again, it's like itchy tasty. It's meaningless in the film, really. If you put it's it in the for film, the fans. it's yeah. for the fans. It's just a reference. Uh, do you remember, yeah. uh, do you remember uh, this? The, the second thing, and this is where I'm going to say my first controversial thing. Donald Logue as Brian Irons. I think he's good with the performance of Brian Irons as he's written in the film, but Chief Irons, for me, is one of the main characters I loathe the changes of in this film. So I, I love Donald Logue's performance as him. Yeah. He's so funny. Yeah. When he, when he yells at Leon, yeah, I, he's funny. I laugh. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? And this is where we will disagree. Yes, he's nothing like Brian Irons in the film. Yep. In the in the game, sorry. In the game, Brian Irons he's is a, a confirmed murderer. Mm. Heavily implied he's a rapist. Mm. And don't get me wrong, I'd love a film where we get the reference where he literally is like, I'm going to stuff her and mount her with my collection. But, but, and here I'm going to defend Johannes Roberts. Given that he got to cram two games together... Sure. I do think it was sensible to cut Brian Irons as part. No, no, I, I agree. I think it would have been one I just element too many. Sure, I just don't think Brian Irons was necessary then. If you're going to cull the character could that have been much... Any, yeah, it could have been any character. What, what, why couldn't they made it... Um, what's his name you see at the beginning of RE2? Kenneth Branagh. Uh, not Kenneth Branagh, Kenneth Marvin Branagh. Branagh. <laughs> Kenneth yes. Branagh. I want Kenneth Branagh in my Resident yeah. Evil movie, oh, please. No, yeah, uh, Marvin Branagh. Yeah. Because it didn't have to be Chief Irons. No, I think it's... And to be fair, Donald Logue is also... Don't get me wrong, he's doing it really well. Oh, but yeah. he, he is playing his character from Gotham. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. Is it Harvey Bullock, his character? Yeah, Harvey Bullock, yeah. Gotham. Um, but he was funny. I like what, uh, skipping ahead slightly, but when he's leaving and Leon. Oh, and like, he just tells him, you're in charge. Yeah, he's so, like, but yeah. who's in charge? You are. No, I'm a rookie. Well, congratulations on the promotion. Yeah, yeah. Um, I noted that Oswald E. Spencer is mentioned in this scene, but I he can't is. remember what the quote oh, is. Oh, it's well expositionary. Basically, someone mentions the Spencer Mansion. Leon goes, what's the Spencer Mansion? And he goes, it was built by Oswell E. Spencer, the founder of Umbrella Corporation, who lived there until his death in... What the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. You, you said everyone in the briefing room. Not you, Rocky! <laughs> <laughs> Get on the front desk now! Yeah, yeah. Go rescue a cat from a tree or something. <laughs> it's, it's very clearly there, just so that they can be like... They can bollock me. Hey, Oswell Spencer got a mention. Yeah, he's not in the film, by the way. He's just... Which, to be mention. fair, he wasn't. He in wasn't the in the game. He, so. never, he never had 
had a physical appearance until five. No, that's true. So Wesker gets a beeper message and Iron bollocks him because he thinks it's just another hot day. You know, when Wesker was laughing, joking, being a practical joker, I did have a moment where I was like, oh shit, is Wesker not going to be evil in this one? Yeah. And then you get the he bleeper kind of... that's clearly warning him that something's coming. Yeah, so he's got some inside information, but yeah. you don't have the full inf- the full whack of it and yet. Th- this is the second SD Perry reference, right. which is... Skipping ahead slightly, it tells him to go check his locker, doesn't it? Yes. And that's where he finds this mysterious palm pilot that's yes. been left for him that has maps of the Spencer yeah. estate. That's on not it. skipping ahead, that's actually my next line. In, so. <laughs> in the S.D. Perry novel, that palm pilot is actually given to Jill. Okay. By, a, by another original character S.D. Perry created called Trent, okay. who is. Are you an X Files fan? No. Basically, X Files was big when she oh, wrote I, these. I know, I know X Files. I just haven't watched an awful. I, I haven't yeah. watched enough of them to say that I'm a well, fan. Mulder had an inform. He had a few informants in mm. it. The first one was called Deep Throat. The <laughs> second one was just called X. And basically, Trent was very much an X Files style Deep Throat type character. Oh, okay, fair enough. The Palm Pilot, first of all, though, t- doesn't give the maps. It only does that when they get to the mansion. At first, it just tells Wesker that Raccoon City will be destroyed at 6am. Yes, so we're including so we... an element from Resident Evil 3 in this film as well. Yes, the, probably the only one. There's not much Resident yeah, Evil 3 in this film. Yeah, there's nothing else from 3 in there. Because uh, obviously all the Nemesis stuff and Jill running for her life through the streets, that's all nerfed because Jill's at the mansion for the rest yeah. of the film. Birkin is speeding in his car, nearly hits Claire on the bike. She opens her bike visor and they have a weird stare off. Yeah, and th- that was a bit like that was would a- he recognize because he's not seen her since she was a little girl. No, would he recognize her? Would he care? What's yeah. like would he? Why would he not hit her on the? I always felt that because of the way he played it, and certainly later on we'll get to you know how mental Birkin is later. I always felt that he wouldn't care and would have just run her through on the yeah. bike. It's... Neil McDonough does a decent job as Birkin, though, I think. Like, he's not oh, amazing, amazing but... The, unfortunately, Neil McDonough is one of those actors. There's a few of these. But and he's... I said this again about Matt Smith and... Um, oh, there's a, another actor that I've seen in something recently, or at least saw in a trailer of something, and I was like, it's probably going to be a bad film because they're in it. Idris Elba. Yeah. You know, pretty much every film that they're in is garbage. And yeah. it's not that they're garbage actors or that they're the problem. Yeah. Matt Smith is not the problem when in a film. Neither yeah. is Idris Elba. And, in, and neither is McDonough yeah. in, in, in any uh, film. But uh, usually the films will tank when they're in yeah, them, and I so, don't know why. So the thing I actually know Neil McDonough most from... Star Trek? No. He is the main villain in season four of Desperate Housewives. But he's also the main villain in Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. Yeah, he's Bison, isn't he? Yes. Because someone was telling me in a different podcast, this is his fourth video game film. Oh, he's in loads. So, oh, what was so, the other so mate, we're going to be quite well acquainted with Neil McDonough oh, yeah. by the end of this show. Uh, I, I can't, I've watched another one with him in. I can't remember which one it was now, though. But yeah, he's in, he's in at least four. Yeah, he does a good job in this, to be fair. And yeah, again, he's fine. Uh, but yeah, he was also in Star Trek when he was much younger. He was in Star Trek First Contact. Okay. He was, and he was meant to play the first openly gay character, but there was like, eventually they were like, there's nowhere in this Borg's murdering everyone's script to stick a gay man, like, mm. and like, just go, he's gay, by the way, but now he's assimilated. You know, was, <laughs> so it was just like, eh, hey, we'll just drop the gay thing. Yeah. A little bit of background there, Star so, Trek. So basically what happens um, here is, see, this was something that didn't sit right with me was Brian Irons ordering Wesker around. Wesker isn't really represented as captain of stars in this, is no, he? No, he's just another he's dude. Just almost. another star. It's yeah. almost like Brian Irons is the captain of the stars. Well, yeah, because he's the chief, I suppose, is the way they went with it. But yeah, yeah. but basically, he <clears throat> by the way he d- sends 
sorry, uh, uh, during the stare-off, there's a flashback to Birkin giving Claire, walking Claire out as for adoption. That's where that reference comes in. Sorry, carry yes. on. So basically, uh, we find out that Marini and Dooley haven't returned from the Spencer Mansion, yep. and we've lost all contact with them. Yep. So he orders the Stars team, which at this point consists of Brad Vickers, Jill Valentine, Richard Icon, Chris Redfield, and Albert Wesker. Yep. He orders them to take a chopper to the Spencer estate to go and look for Marini and Dooley. Meanwhile, he orders Leon to go to the front desk. Because, yep. by the way, Leon is like the only cop in this building. That's something else. Like, I was like, there's no Marvin. Rita isn't yeah. shown. There now, isn't anyone. Fair, enough- literally just the only two cops, cop cops you see are Brian Irons, who's and the chief, Leon. and Leon. There's going to be a lot of films that this will be a, an excuse for. Right. Was COVID. They yeah. couldn't have too many actors on the set. Yeah, maybe. Because like I think you'll notice as well, there's... Yeah, there's like, not actually a lot of characters. There's not a lot of zombies. No. Like when there's, later on, when the zombies are all gathering at the front gate... Maybe that's why there's... There's only about five of them. Yeah, there's not a huge number. Okay, no, fair enough. Leon's at RPD at 1am. It actually got 1am. Yes, it um, keeps uh, it track keep, of the night, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Cause, so that gives us only five hours until the death of Raccoon City. He's asleep while listening to music on his headphones. Uh, He's listening tr- to Crush, 90s pop hit Crush. Yes. It's just... A little crush. So the truck flies past Claire and Birkins at an amazing speed. Mm. The trucker is clearly zombifying as he goes. He ends up crashing in front of the RPD. I like this shot. It goes sideways, it explodes. Before it explodes, I like this shot where we're behind Leon's shoulder as he's asleep. Yes. And you can see out the front door. Of and the it's grinding down the exit road. Exit coming down the hill. I quite yeah. liked that. No, that was a cool shot. It crashes and it explodes. Leon still doesn't know what the fuck's going on. I'm like, that, even my girlfriend Susie went, that's bullshit. And here's here's the reason it's bullshit, right? Even if the headphones were strong enough to cancel out the sound, which they wouldn't be, yeah, you would wake up. However, it comes to this moment, and this is the moment, again, I call bullshit, but I think you really like, because you're a bit more of a... No, normally I'm the camper man. What the hell's going on? The trucker walks in while on fire, and all you hear is the... The pop music... A little crash. I thought it was so funny. It was funny, but it was. But me and Susie laughed as in, well, that shit. But it's funny shit. It was. It's Super Mario Brothers level it's, of shit. It's evil. This film. It's, it's Street Fighter the movie from 1994 levels of cheesy crap. Yeah, you know what I like about this film. And don't get me wrong, Evil Dead is better. Like Evil Dead is an icon, but at least but the film it, doesn't mind having a laugh. But it had that Evil Dead feel to it. Yeah, where it was just goofy fun yeah yeah okay i'll give you that what would have made it better although i appreciate how hard it is to do fire stunts yeah yeah yeah. what would have made it better is if the trucker was actually walking like a zombie he is just walking like a stuntman in a suit yeah 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 like he's not slouching or out like that he's just walking straight yeah, forward just, it, yeah just walk forward we haven't got enough money for another take the trucker is then shot by irons and that wakes leon up how leon didn't feel the heat even from the explosion or the man on fire yeah. walking at him I don't know and how he can't hear the explosion but he can hear a gunshot yeah. it's, it's it, the whole setup is bollocks yeah it's fun and it's well shot in like in terms of the cinematography and things like that but the whole sequence is logical bollocks yeah Lyons then tells Leon that the phone lines are dead 
and he's leaving Leon in charge as he buggers he's off. Getting he, the f- he's out getting out the fuck out of Dodge, yeah. Um, we then go to the... Hel- correct me if I'm wrong, it's never confirmed in this one. Is Irons on Umbrella's payroll or not? It's never... I don't think it's confirmed. No. I think he must be, to a degree, because he knows to get out. Yeah. And he, he grabs some papers, I think, before he leaves. I think he just grabs... It's all personal items off his desk. Is like it? photos and things. Okay, yeah. I always wondered if there was any... You know, information from, yeah, yeah. Um, under Umbrella in there. But we don't know. It, it could just be personal stuff. We then follow the helicopter of Alpha Team over the Spencer Mansion and they find Bravo Team's crashed Jeep and another crow, but there's no bodies inside. Jill then shoots the zombie crow and they just find the mansion. There's no Cerberus chase or anything like that as there is in the games. They literally just walk a few metres and there's the mansion. Yeah. Somebody says, Marini and Dooley are in here somewhere. Jill and Wesker split off into one team. Chris and Richard Aiken uh, go to another. Very quickly, though, as a fan, and I'm sure I speak for every Resident Evil fan here, the faithful recreation of the Spencer Mansion front hall. Yeah. Oh. The exterior shots oh. were a little bit cheesy, and again, they were obviously CGI and not very high budget. Yeah, the mansion's but... clearly not actually there. No, um, but, but the actual interior hallway. was very good. Very small, good. Felt small. Did you feel that? Like you've pl- I, I, I think there's a reason why they didn't do lots of sort of big establishing camera shots. I think it was probably a miniaturised version. Yeah. Well, what well, they could get away well, with. Well, you've seen how big the mansion hallway is in the original oh, game. Oh, it's insane. Imagine, well, it's it's cavernous, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And imagine so, yeah, You'd have to build that as a full that. set, yeah, yeah. And it would be expensive. But here we get another hint about Wesker being uh, bad as well. Because okay. if you notice, he says, let's split up, as in let's all go separate. Yeah. And Chris goes let's no go let's go in pairs yeah. and to be fair to tom hopper he does a good bit of subtle facial acting where you yeah, just yeah. see a tick on his face where he's like fuck yeah i have nothing against a guy who plays wesker by the way i think he does a very good I, job with what I, he's given yes yes i have what, some problems the scripting with wesker, we'll is what i have a problem with wesker with we'll get to yeah. that chief irons drives to the border to try and escape there's umbrella officers there basically doing a, a quarantine maybe letting yeah, people out I've but seen, maybe not i've seen some people claim you see the umbrella officer with the gas mask on that's after and that might be hunk I've heard some people claim that's hunk but I think it's just a generic I think it's hunk and the reason I think it's hunk is because of all the other stuff like itchy tasty and stuff like that if it's hunk it's got fuck all relevance to the story I think it's hunk simply because there's so many other of these little things where it's like why wouldn't it be yeah yeah it's like guys remember hunk well you've seen him now see you later Um, we're gonna go on with the rest of the story what do you think about so I like this scene where he drives up to the blockade yeah and then all of a sudden they get attacked and there's like a shootout shoots up his car and he has to try and emergency back out so um, Umbrella I thought it was quite well done because this is something the games never showed us until what the civilian attempting to escape well they never showed anyone attempting to get out the city via the normal roads no or that the roads had been blockaded uh, you kind of figured they must have been otherwise yeah, why yeah, yeah. Live? they don't show it until I think Outbreak 1 yeah um, they show that the military have blockaded it yeah um, because in the games it's so one thing they don't build on here because fair enough there isn't time in the games it's actually quite an interesting subplot if you read all the files and stuff sure. throughout the first set of games mm. Umbrella is actually not acting alone in its evil conspiracy Umbrella is very much in league with the US government yeah 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 and the US government blockade raccoon city yeah yeah they're but, supporting each other because it's it's i think it's one of those things where this company is too big to fail well Ameri- we need to stop it from failing well, by supporting america it. the government are also umbrella's number one customer for yeah, all yeah, their bio weapons. yeah so it's like if this company goes down and 
the you yeah. know who were they selling to? Oh shit, it well, was us. Because fun so, fact yeah. as well, and I won't. I promise I won't get too much into game law, but this is this is like my specialist subject. The night in the game continuity I'm on about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fateful night that Hunk's team go to nest to kill William Birkin and get the G virus. Yeah. The reason they have to go then is because Umbrella find out that the American government basically Birkin has reached out to the government. Oh, he's going to sell it direct, isn't sell he? it direct to them and cut yeah. Umbrella out of the deal. And the government have sent a team to retrieve Birkin. Yeah. So Umbrella so sent in a team to stop it, and yeah. gets better than that because this is how good the story actually is in the game. The the US team, um, the government team, mm. they actually get bad intel. And they think they're meeting Birkin at the Dead Factory from Resident Evil 3, not at his own lab. So they go to the Dead Factory to wait for him, at which point Umbrella send five Mr. X-type tyrants to kill them. that's a bad day. And you've not actually played Nemesis, have you? No. At the, the final level of Nemesis is in the Dead Factory where you find the aftermath of that battle and there's all these dead tyrants and all these dead US soldiers. Right. And it's this is what the games were so good at, is it's environmental storytelling. Yes, yes. And it's, yeah, it's just That's something wonderful. that you can't... It's very difficult to build up in a film. Yeah. You can do Without it. Without time. But, yeah. yeah, you'd need to spend time like, oh, have we got enough time to spend yeah. for the camera to look at this I, wall? I will just to say... To see what's like on the wall. I'm going to break my own record here a minute because anyone who's listened to this show or to my previous show, one of my most frequent criticisms of films, because I like films to be nice and tight, is I'm like, you could have cut 10 minutes there, you could have cut 10 minutes there. This is one of the only films where this needed another 15 to 20 minutes in yeah. its runtime. Yeah. This needed to be a whole two hours. It needs because to be, yeah. we'll get there, but especially the third act. It rushed. The, the third act is the worst part of the film. Okay. It's so rushed. So we then jump to the new time frame. 1.50 a.m. We have zombies outside the RPD asking verbally to be let in. So they're not quite zombies yeah, yet. Yeah, so I this feel. is something that I, I didn't like, was that there's zombies saying, help, let me in. Mm. And I was like, that's a bit shite. But you've suggested that because they're still slowly devolving, they're not technically zombies yet. Yeah, I don't think they've quite fully become zombies at this point. Sure, but it's... I, I don't know. It just felt a little bit wet to me having having people go hey let me in and not actually be i don't know i was just kind of hoping there'd be more zombies by this point yeah um, it does take i, I would it admit, takes a long time for zombies I, to act I, like full zombies to act. i think i think it's a full 40 minutes yeah, but least, i will, I will give, longer i will give johannes roberts this as well especially with a studio like screen gems breathing down his neck the fact he's let this be slower paced and oh, yeah. take its time because the early games always did oh, of course you had to build up the, to the horrors suspense you can't jump straight into suspense mm. can you you've got to build it up yeah Chief Irons returns to the RPD car park and is attacked by Cerberus. Yep. One of the first shots of Cerberus is fucking awful. So Really uh, bad CGI. Not, not, not to be that guy. Technically not a Cerberus. It's a dog. It's a zombie dog. So the difference... I know you're thinking, what's the difference? Within the canon, they are only Cerberuses if they are deliberately created bioweapons by Umbrella. But they're the same. Because the zombie... I know. Because... I'm just being pedantic. Okay. Because the dog was infected accidentally by licking up the blood... Yeah. Well, that's not necessarily that one. 
That I think it's blatantly meant to Well, be. no, because it would have died in the explosion. Maybe it leapt from the burn. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, 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 I think we can... I was surprised. I think we can consider that there would be more zombie dogs if there's I, more zombie people. I was people. surprised that this is the only zombie dog in the film. Really? Uh, well, there's two. There's one in the truck. And yeah, we, I, t- I classify it as a second zombie dog. You can enough. classify it as the same one, but I think that would be pushing it a little bit. He's attacked by a zombie dog then. And like all the men in this film, and we will come to this, Chief Irons is absolutely shit at his job and can't shoot. He's yeah, an he awful shot. He wastes all of his bullets and then he's about to die from the Cerberus. And I'll as he's what? about to die and the Cerberus is about to leap to kill him, mm. Claire brains the Cerberus, not Cerberus, or the zombie dog, whatever you want to go with, to death with a fire extinguisher. I will, just some quick more praise for Johannes, though. Because yeah. a lot of films, how many films have you seen where they'll fire an insane number of bullets before the clip runs out, etc., etc.? Yeah, yeah. He's really accurate. Oh, to that the is, number, yeah. That is a six-shooter revolver. And he shoots and, six shots. And I was counting, because he does them in three yeah. sets of two, doesn't he? Bang, yes. bang, 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 bang. And then when he's aiming the gun when he's down on the floor in my head I was going his gun should be empty yeah. he should fire this and it should just go click and it did and it did and I was like well done well done yeah yeah no it's, yeah it's, it's good that he followed that we then jumped to 2am so it's only 10 minutes but it's a, it's a jump uh, Chris and Richard investigate the mansion and find a zombie eating either Dooley or Mar- I think it's Marini yeah. but it's it. Marini the first one right okay so and yeah they, they do the original zombie introduction yes. yep the head turn from Resident Evil 1 the, the the famous slash infamous depending on which way you want to go with yep. it head turn Jill and Wesker are in their own little party yeah Jill asks Wesker what the Palm Pilot is about she's now seen it and it's showing him a map of the mansion so that links to what you were saying about the Perry continuity Richard climbs some nearby stairs as yep. Dooley dies from the gargling on his own blood and dying. Oh, not Dooley's dying. Yeah, no, Marini's dying. And then he finds Dooley's gun on the stairwell. And then Richard Aiken is attacked. Then Chris is attacked. Yes. So they both end up getting assaulted. Now, this is where you and I are going to start getting even a little bit more tilted against each other. At first, Richard does better, but he is eventually eaten and Chris gets away. The action here, to me, was a bit shit. Mm. Now, like, the the actual power of the gunshots, audio-wise, and the, 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 the blast and stuff, felt fine. It's the direction I took problem yeah. with. I don't think either there was enough time or it wasn't well-considered enough for the shots. But it, there seemed to be a lot of points where Chris, and certainly Richard, Richard gets sort of swarmed by zombies, and then all of a sudden he almost, like, pops a few metres away from them to shoot. Mm. He's doing quite well shooting them, and then all of a sudden the zombies almost pop forward, and he's surrounded and dies and can't do anything. And it's like, But he had a bit of distance, but then he didn't have distance, and then he did have distance, and then he's gone. All yeah. the distance is gone. And Chris's escape is kind of similar. You get, you get the feeling that either there's not any real direction in it, or Chris just kind of lucked out. He, yeah. there, there's no viewpoint that he had any skill in his survival of that scene yeah there are a couple of bits where it's like it's very hard to believe chris would have got away because like there's one particular bit he was almost like completely submerged yeah. yeah and he's That's like oh, oh and it was at that point where um i thought richard aiken would save him because richard aiken was taking care of his zombies yeah. quite well. well that's when richard goes down isn't yeah it? and then all of a sudden richard goes down and chris is away from his zombies and i'm like hang yeah. on you were just completely submerged by six men a minute ago what's going on so i don't think the action is that well shot there Brad Vickers is playing Snake on a Nokia 3310. Yes, do you, do, you think it's, do you think it's ironic that 
Richard Aiken dies. And then there's a snake. snake. Yeah. That's, this was a good scene. I liked this scene. I like this with scene. With the hand on the helicopter Yeah, yeah, window. yeah. So the zombie attacks. He doesn't actually attack straight away. You're right. It's You get the bloodied hand. It wipes direction. You yeah. think it's coming from that side. Yeah, and then it comes from the other side. He obviously does take off, and we'll get, we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah. The palm pilot tells Wesker to play the piano. Now that's in the original game. Jill is the one who plays the piano to open up a, a secret passageway. To get the emblem, yeah. That's right. But in this, in this film, it's Wesker and the palm pilot tells him what notes to play uh, so it, he's not necessarily is, a professional it's still Moonlight, it Sonata, Moonlight Sonata which is wonderful because obviously Moonlight Sonata was in the original Earthworm Jim 2 was it? yeah it was <laughs> but it's obviously it's a classical piece that was in mm. Resident Evil as well um, um, and this is where we get the biggest cut in the film which is basically the secret passage this opens it's just a stone corridor is the lead to the lab Yes. Whereas in the game, it obviously just gets you the emblem. It's quite early in the game. Yeah, yeah. So we are but cutting they've, they've out cut completely. almost the whole of mansion, pretty well, much. Well, we're cutting most of the mansion. We're cutting out the guardhouse entirely. Yep. We're cutting out the stone tunnels behind the waterfall yep. full of hunters and Lisa spiders. Lisa Trevor's hut, because Lisa she's Trevor's now been moved hut. to the orphanage, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, don't get me wrong. It makes sense. I, it does. Like, I understand. Like, I, I'm not against Johannes Roberts for this. No. Trying to put two games together, which I, I actually am assuming was not his choice. I think he would have preferred to just do one of the games. Yep. And I suspect he pitched Resident Evil 1 and the studio turned around and went, well, Remake 2 has sold really well, so that's fresh in everyone's mind. Can you do something with that? Yeah, we want yeah. you to do that as well. If he It was absolute- a tall order, and I have to say, oh, yeah. he delivered. But if I, he if had somebody to- said to me, do Resident Evil 1 and 2 as one movie, I can't go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> if he absolutely had to smash them together, he's done it in probably the best way possible. Yeah, I think there's improvements that could have been made, but I mean, I do not envy him the task. Yeah. Far from it. Leon and Claire raid the weapons locker in the RPD. Yeah, uh, Leon, Leon gets his flat jacket. Yep, Leon is the most incompetent human being in the universe. Gets his costume, finds Ben in jail, who's now in a tracksuit. At that point, I was like, isn't he meant to be a journalist? And that's where I just thought, you know what, this yeah. is someone else, I don't the, give a fuck. The um, sheer amount of <clears throat> F-bombs from Ben in this scene. Yeah, it's insane. Ben grabs Leon's gun, that's how crap Leon is as a yeah. human being, uh, certainly as a police officer, and basically threatens Leon by gunpoint, open the cell or, you know, whatever. So Leon opens see, the cell. And we see there is a man in the cell with him, zombifying. who is clearly zombifying. And let's not forget, this is the only mention in the film... Of the T-Virus. Yes. And this is where... one. So this is one of my issues with the film. I realised whilst watching it that I was doing a lot of the heavy lifting with my knowledge of the games. Yes. Filling in a lot of the blanks. Because the T-Virus is not at all explained no. other than it's a virus that creates It's not creates explained monsters. that there's more than one virus either. Because you've well, got the T-Virus and then it's mentioned the G-Virus later. No, but it's no, not mentioned no, what no, the differences no. are ben either. Ben does say... Well, no, it, the, the difference isn't mentioned. But Ben Bertolucci does say, have you heard of the T and G? viruses right but yes he doesn't explain the difference because when leon says no what's that he says it's a virus that mutates cells that sounds closer to the g virus yeah it does the, than t-, the t although the t, t- does, virus mutate does the same people, as well yeah but g i mean the the defining feature of g is, is the it? uncontrollable mutations it brings yeah the t was meant to be a controlled mutation wasn't it that's why it's trying well, so they t- try they try and create tyrants yeah it's meant to create tyrants yeah. the zombies are a side effect yeah 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 whereas the g virus is is a little bit more mutagenic i suppose it's not necessarily as accurate what the result will be yeah the zombie then kills ben after the cell is unlocked the zombie yeah. then attacks leon and leon again 
the most useless man in the universe, so has to be saved by Claire. Now, again, I don't have a problem with Claire being hard as nails and kicking ass, but Leon is a cop, a trained cop. He may be a newbie, but he's still a trained cop, yeah. and he's the most useless man in the universe. In fact, like again, I don't understand how he survives. He should be dead within the first five so, seconds. He's the shittest man. So we're an hour and 11 minutes into this, Rory. Yep. Would you say now's time for a bombshell? Go on, then. Be prepared, because our podcast's about to never get another listener ever again. Oh, God, like we need less. I prefer this version of Leon to the game's version. Okay. So, let me quantify this. No, go on. In the games, Leon is my least favourite of all the heroes. Okay. I find him bland and generic. Okay. In this, yes, he's incompetent. Yeah. But at least that makes him stand out. No, it doesn't. And, and, okay, I like he is... He is hilarious. Okay. He is the funniest part of the film. <laughs> yeah, okay, so I agree with most of what you say in terms of that he is funny. It makes him a different character and stand out a little bit more than just being another Chris Redfield, basically. Yeah. But in the film, it doesn't make him stand out. If he was this way in the games, he would stand out. Yeah. But because he's this way in the film, and all the men are heavily incompetent in this film... See, I don't agree with they that. They are all though. heavily... Tell me... An, give me well, one cr- competent man in this Chris. film. No, he's not. How is he Because he's shit well, at no, no, everything. No, 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 no. Well, first of all, Michael Cole... <laughs> Um, not only, fair enough, let's, let's, let's take out that mansion scene where he's used, you know, the power of editing to escape. Yep. Spoiler alert, in the final boss fight of the film, everyone else is doing jack shit to that monster, but he's the one who goes, hey, this thing's covered in eyeballs, I'm gonna shoot the eyeballs. And And he gets dead hits every time. Yes, he gets dead hits every time. What does it do? Literally zilch. What actually does something? no, in the game. Claire stabbing Birkin in the face. Literally, Chris does nothing to help the situation. To be fair, in the games... Taking out the eyes is the way you kill Birkin. Yes, but it doesn't work in the um, film. Plus, Chris stabbing is the one Birkin in the face works in the film. Chris saves um, Sherry Birkin as well. When? When Jill Wesker's takes doing her. his shirt. No, Chris gets there first. Oh, but taking down Wesker's not a fucking thing either because Wesker's heavily incompetent in this film. Kind of, we'll get to West. All the men are heavily incompetent in this film. Chief Irons, chief of police, can't shoot a gun to save his life. Which, to be fair, though, that's kind of like... Irons is a fucking useless copper. Sure, but that was part of the whole backstory that he'd gotten fat and incompetent and was this fucking genocidal murderer. Mm. He's not even that anymore. Yeah. So now he's just incompetent to be incompetent. Leon is a newbie who's fresh off the force, fresh from his training. And to be fair as well, because one thing we forgot to include about his character, it's heavily implied that he didn't even actually pass training. No. He was forced through because he's... We never never learn who his dad is. No, but his dad is powerful. Yeah, it's apparently like a A a legendary comet. Or a legendary Oh my God, what if Leon Scott Kennedy is part of the Kennedy political dynasty? That might be what they're doing. But Imagine if they're like his great grandfather was JFK. <laughs> Maybe, but again, so like, so Chief Hines is useless. Leon is useless. Mm. Chris, we can argue about it, but everything he does is useless, whether yeah. or not you think he's good shot or not. The, the, he effectively does nothing. The women do shine. Yes, in this, absolutely. And who, not, who else is there? Wesker is even useless I'm at the not, job he does. I'm not necessarily against the women shining, though, because one of the good things about early Resident I Evil... I don't mind the women shining. No, 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 no. I'm not sitting there going, the oh, God, the women are winning. It's the fact that they have to nerf every guy. Yeah. 
every guy, like even Chris, who is, as you say, the most competent of all the guys that are in it, even he is shit in terms of yeah. everything he does basically makes no difference. Yeah. And even against that, he is Mr. Wrong. Yeah. Oh, well, Birkin is on our side. He's great. Oh, well, Umbrella is fine. They're great for may, us. Maybe and he's got to apologise at the end. Like, and he's cucked yeah. by Jill. Maybe, like, in this, the, this... maybe in the sequel they'll balance it out and have Chris break a boulder with his bare hands. Yeah, or he'll have a little cry. We'll find out, won't we? That's something that really got my goat. Because yeah. I was just like, we've, we've discussed Postal, which is a very much an incel movie. Mm. And spoiler alert for next week's show of Legend of Zelda TV series, but that's basically an incel series. Mm. So if we're going to call stuff like that out... I think we've got to be able to call out the opposite, yeah. which is where essentially sexism going the other way. Yeah. Where, and it's not that necessarily that women are strong characters. That's the problem. It's the fact yeah. that to do it, you have to make the men shit. Yeah, the men didn't, didn't have to be shit for Jill and Claire to be good. Yeah, I didn't notice it as much in this as I did in, for example, say the 2016 Ghostbusters. Yes, I, the, didn't I mean it's it. Mu- it was more egregious yeah. in 2016 Ghostbusters, but it, this is very much hit the modern Hollywood yeah. problem. Which is that they're, they're, they're almost correcting. Yeah, they're overcorrecting, yeah. and it, I felt it throughout this film. I was just like, "Come yeah. on, how can the chief of police do. not hit anything? How can Leon yeah. if not be a it, cop? If how I watched can... it a second time, I might. It might grate on you more, maybe. I don't um, know. But no, yeah. So that's my controversial opinion. I think we both I, threw some in there. So. I, I prefer this version of Leon. Fair enough. And, and you know I what? As well, with that. I don't have a problem. I do with that. just want to say because I know a bunch of racists were kicking off oh, I do not mind that Avan Yagir is playing him neither now, do I here's another controversial opinion and are you ready for me to say the only good thing I will ever say about the Paul Anderson Resident Evil film the action was better no which is true don't get me wrong I like Hannah John Carmen Hannah John Carmen Jill oh okay but Sienna Guillory who is Jill in the Anderson films was a better fit for the game character. She's a better Jill. And yeah. to be fair, one of the tragedies of the... If you look into the making of the Anderson films, one of the tragedies is how much effort Sienna Guillory put into literally mimicking every movement Jill does. There's a tape you can watch on YouTube. It's her screen test. Right. And she's literally doing every movement that Jill does in the games, all the resting poses, everything. Yeah. And... Apocalypse, which is the first film she's in, the main one she's in, that film, it has so much promise at the beginning. And then it's ruined as soon as Jovovich jumps in. Yeah, when Jill is in that church on her own, I was like, this is a Resident Evil film. Jill, a nemesis, she's in a church, it's slow-paced. I I do wish, again, like I said, I like Hannah John Carmen, and Sienna Guillory is too old for the role now. Because mm. that was 20 years ago she yeah, played yeah, yeah, her. Yeah. But man, do I wish Sienna Guillory could have had the chance to be Jill in a film like this one. Yeah. I mean, the Jill in this film didn't feel like the Jill from the games. No, she, she feels did like a good... badass woman, but yes. not Jill. Yes, and I've got no problem with... I actually don't care that they race-changed her the same way as I don't care yeah, that they race-changed Leon. Because the actors did a good job with what they were given. Yeah. It would have been nice to have... Maybe a slightly more game accurate Jill, and and uh, but then I was also preferred a more game accurate Leon. Yeah. Whereas well, uh, it, 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 I suppose your mileage would vary. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did she ever wear her beret? No. No. I see. I wish we'd had the beret. The beret is scene. very much quality Jill. And uh, uh, to be fair, the games abandoned the beret after the first game as well. Oh which yeah. Is a shame. And to be fair, the costume I most associate with Jill is actually her Resident Evil Three one, the yeah. tank top and the. But they nerfed that in the remake, even let well, alone because it was considered sexist. The scort. And uh, I'm going to say this about a fucking scort right now, right? Uh, if are you, you d- trying to say skirt? No, no. 
No, the Scort. What's a Scort? So in the remake, Jill doesn't wear a skirt. No, she, she wears, wears jeans. A, no, she wears a Scort. In in the so they have a classic outfit for her. Yeah. Yeah, which is not quite a, a boob tube, but it's, yeah. it's almost. And then a Scort. What's a skirt? A skirt is a skirt with a bit in the middle to make it like a short. Shorts, yeah. But it's not a short, it's called a skirt. And I hate anything, I hate things like spork, where it's a fork and a spoon. And I hate skorts, where it's a short do, and a skirt. Do, do you hate crossbreed dogs? Like a Labrador dude? I hate dogs. You hate dogs? Are you no, being serious? No. Dogs hate me, generally. How do you feel like about a Labrador like, no, To be honest, big dogs I like, small dogs can fuck off. <laughs> Small dogs hate me. They try and attack me. They can all fuck off. Oh, I tell you, what I'd love to see because you know, in these Resident Evil games, the zombie dog's always a Doberman, right? Imagine like a Chihuahua, like a zombie Chihuahua. <laughs> uh, that's just a Chihuahua. <laughs> How would you tell? How would you tell? Well, it's they're a always zombie? shaking. They've and always got up, fucking they? horrid, glassy eyes. They're always yapping like wankers. <laughs> I just want to see Leon and attacking everything and biting everyone, hopping around on one foot while the other foot's got a. <laughs> Got a chihuahua clinging to his. You'd trouser. never know. You'd never know if a chihuahua was anyway, a zombie. That's the, probably the creepier bit. You don't know if you've been bit by a chihuahua or a yeah. zombie chihuahua. So basically, at this point, is this where we learn that Wesker has betrayed them? Kind of. So not quite yet. Vickers then crashes the helicopter into the room with Wesker and Jill, and it explodes. We then cut to two twenty nine a.m. So we come back to Jill and Wesker waking up from that explosion. Jill saved Wesker's life. Wesker mentions that. He picks up his palm pilot, hoping it works, and it does. Opens the corridor, and he says, she was right. And then Wesker, so Wesker basically reveals, explains that he was contracted yeah. by an unknown woman to get the G-virus to yeah. help expose Umbrella. So here's where I'm going to bring up a problem I've got. Yep. This scene is really badly done. This is clearly meant to be an emotional impact yep. where, because they've established Jill fancies Wesker as well, yes. she's really hurt by his betrayal. But the thing is, Wesker doesn't actually betray, betray him. So he yeah, just I was says, I'm going to expose Umbrella and have some money. In the games, he's a really he's a psychopath, really, mm. but he's also a really intelligent umbrella research yeah. scientist who's basically using his position in stars to try and basically run some experiments of his own test it against the stars and then take the t-virus and go in this he's none of that yeah he's so. just a bog standard basic soldier who wants money and specifically because he hates raccoon city and wants to leave mm. or he that's so, his whole motivation i'm gonna say this now then because it has to come out some point so do you remember i said i really like leon the way yeah. they change him Wesker, the way Wesker is done in this film, is the worst part of the film for me. Okay. Bear in mind that Albert Wesker is one of the most iconic video game villains of all time. I, I, I actually did my research before this. He very frequently appears on countdown lists of... Best villains. Best villains, usually in the top ten. Yep. Always in the top twenty at the least. So when you make and, him, you make him bog-standard soldier boy. But here's the thing. Like, makes so no sense. One thing Johannes does that I don't mind. I don't mind that Wesker's the one who kills Burke. No. I understand if you're having to smash your two games together, yep. it is a waste of time to introduce Hunk and have Hunk do it. Yep. I'm fine with you having Wesker kill him to steal the G virus. Th- that's fine. No, no problem with that at all. I agree. Right? There is no reason in this film that Wesker couldn't have been an Umbrella employee. No. And he's in fact, it would have made more sense. And it would have yeah. made more sense when... So we'll get to this bit in a minute, but yeah, it makes a bit more sense. Because co- after this point, uh, something I do want to say is after that point, he saves Jill... 
like literally immediately after she finds out he's betrayed mm. them in quotes, he shoots a zombie who's about to eat Claire and saves Jill. her Jill. Sorry, yeah, and saves her life. Yeah, and then he runs down the corridor, and Jill's just like, "Oh my god, I'm so betrayed." So, and the reason I want to bring that up is in a little bit. Jill and Chris will meet, mm. and Jill will be like, Chris, you won't believe it, Wesker's betrayed, betrayed us. us. And it's like, yeah. when? He's doing his own shit, he may be betraying yeah. the mission, but he never mentioned he was going to kill you. He, he never didn't ma- lure them to the mansion. No, and she, she says, oh, he was going to abandon us here. He never said that. No. And he, if he was going to do that, he would have let you get eaten by the zombie yeah. and not cared. He just saved your this life. Is, I think there's a lot of deleted footage for this film. Yeah. I think something was deleted in that scene, because to me, it seemed like all Wesker was going to do was run down to to the lab, get the, the G virus, and, and come back, yeah. and then expose Umbrella, which is what Jill and Chris want to do. Yeah. The only technically bad thing was he was going to get paid a lot of money to do it. Yeah. But of course he was. And they try and make him sympathetic where he's, you remember we said about the classist element? Yeah, yeah. And he says like, how else are we meant to get out of this yes. shit town? So it's clear that he's as poor as everyone um, else. And this is the thing, yeah. like, it's such a shame for me because so Tom Hopper has all the right physical qualities to be Wesker. He's a big imposing dude. I just noticed something. Sorry. I'll let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. But no, I'd say how you this video. <laughs> I can't Kanye. Yeah. No, but uh, I'm probably going to bat to Kanye actually. Mm. Tom Hopper could have been the best villain, but there was you know an issue with the scripting. Isn't that a bit like his father in Super Mario Brothers, Dennis Hopper, <laughs> who could have been the best, also one of the most iconic video game villains of all yes, time. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Do you not think that this is very similar to Super Mario Brothers movie? Oh, Do you think God. maybe you should have recommended Super Mario Brothers the movie to our fans because it's, it's very you know similar what? to Welcome to Raccoon City? You know what? Claire wears red, Chris wears green. There you go. Did it's it g- all coming if, together. Do, Do you know what? Claire and Leon should get to the lab by going down a pipe. They do almost. They're they going in the elevator. <laughs> but anyway, Tom, anyway, Tom, let's carry so Tom Hopper has got all the right physical qualities to play Albert Wesker. He's a big, tall, imposing dude. Yep. He's buff as fuck. He's got a deep voice. He's got the blonde hair. Yep. The and, elements are right. But he's written like a frat boy. Yep. Play, like Wesker in the game would never get caught dead balancing a ketchup bottle on Leon Kennedy's head. <laughs> Wesker is above that shit. Just the like, thought of it is ridiculous. Like, Wesker yeah. is a master psychopath. Yeah. He is cold, calculating. He's the ultimate opportunist. He's always out for himself, and he's always double-crossing. I mean, people... I mean, the shock in the first game was the fact that he was so professional and so cool-headed mm. that you kind of wanted him on your side. Yeah. And so and... when he betrays you, you're like, you kind of like, yeah, I can see why, yeah. but Unless oh, the... man, I really wish I had a Wesker yeah. on my team. And let's not know, just it's... forget, he doesn't just betray stars in that first game. He betrays, he betrays Umbrella. Umbrella as well. He betrays literally everyone he ever works with. Yeah. He, um, so the story <laughs> of Wesker is he betrays them, he goes to a second organisation, he then drains that organisation of all its resources to find Spencer. Yep. Betrays Spencer and kills him. Yep. Then adopts Spencer's plan and tries to enact it himself yep. to become a, a god. Yep. I just want to throw a fun fact out here because I actually have seen Tom Hopper in something before this a long, long time ago when he was much younger. Porno? Well, funny you should mention that. Oh, no. Uh, Tom Hopper, I'm sure it is him. Someone will have to check for me, but I'm sure it is, has a very brief role in season five, episode one a.k.a. the first appearance of Matt Smith in Doctor Who. 
Possible. He is Amy's friend who the doctor tells off for watching porn on his laptop. Oh. He gets told off by Matt Smith because mm. he's been looking at naughty stuff on his That'd be interesting. laptop. Interesting. And uh, he's now Albert Wesker. And we will get there. Who does the, naughty things on his palm pilot. The, the post-credit scene, which I called a year ago, yep. is one of the worst scenes in the film for me. Yes, we'll it get was, to that when we get to it. Did you laugh at it, though? Wasn't it so fucking funny, his acting? What, in the final scene? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When we'll, he flops off the table. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We then cut back to Chief Irons saying that they need to get to the Arclay Mountains, and so they need to escape the RPD. To get the helicopter to get out of town. That's it, because there's no way to go by. Because they don't know the helicopter's been destroyed. No, so he leads them to the loading dock, and just coincidentally, just at the right time, as the zombies break through the main gate and yeah. manage to get in. Nice bit of coincidence there, and we jumped off. 4 a.m. Irons, Claire and Leon go through the kids' park towards the orphanage. There's a great scene in here I want to talk about. Sure. So here's a part where Johannes Roberts does a wonderful bit of directing, and I think he really deserves praise for this. Yep. Because he masterfully subverts the fans' expectations. Okay. So we all know the iconic cutscene from Resident Evil 2 that first introduces the liquor, yes? Yes. Where Leon looks up at the ceiling and it crawls along the ceiling. Yeah. So they go to this corridor and this corridor's got light bars hanging from chains. Yes. And it's all darkness above the lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one at the far end starts to rock back and forth. Then the next one, then the next one. Yeah, and, and as you, soon as I saw that, I was like, that's a liquor. And you're like, it's the liquor. Yeah. And Leon walks forward and you're like, they're going to recreate that scene. But then as Leon walks forward, he crosses an open doorway. Yep. Boom, Lisa Trevor's there. Yep. I actually think that's one of the most effective... It's not a jump scare. No. But I think it's Subversions. one of the most effective scares yeah. in the film. And she because points you, upwards, doesn't she? She does. Liquor. Because you're like... I know this scene. Yeah. This scene's from the game. And he's baited you into thinking, yeah, I'm going to do this. Yep. Boom, Lisa Trevor. Yeah. So she points upwards at the liquor and Leon's just like, oh, Claire, there's something here. Claire, you're not going to believe this. Claire looks around and Lisa Trevor's disappeared because horror. Then all of a sudden the liquor comes down, grabs Chief Irons, pulls him up into the ceiling and murders him. Claire and Leon start to run away. Mm. And Leon is tripped up by the tongue of the liquor. Yep. And just the liquor be- looks pretty good, doesn't it? The liquor, I have to say, yeah, considering how shit some of the other, like the zombie dogs and stuff. Oh, they spent a lot of money on the liquor. The liquor they put some banging buck for. Lisa then saves Leon by fighting the liquor and breaking its neck. Yeah, see, this was. Um, so, you've never seen Silent Hill 2, the film Silent Hill 2, have you? Not the second film. We, it's one I, I've seen the first one, but we haven't got around to So, it. Silent Hill Revelation is a bad film anyway. Right. But one of the parts where it really, really takes the cake and this is a bad part in this film for me as well is they decide to do the whole good bad monster thing and they have pyramid head fight another monster right and pyramid head is like the good guy like you want him to win and they kind of do that here with lisa trevor fighting the liquor i want to discuss lisa trevor a little bit more we'll get to the end of this sequence and then we'll discuss lisa trevor because it's essentially her exit from the film yeah um so lisa saves leon by fighting the liquor she breaks its neck she then recognizes claire as her friend actually goes friend uh (laughs) yeah it was a bit in between as much yeah orphanage friend football yeah orphanage friend (laughs) Claire virus friend. Claire recalls biting a guard's hand, so it goes back to a flashback of her being led away for a quote unquote adoption. Mm. Claire bites the guard's hand and runs away as a child. We don't see her actual escape or what happens to her after that, but obviously that's what's led to this point and her distrust 
of William Birkin. Mm. Lisa gives Leon and Claire a key, or a set of keys, which have the the diamonds, the clubs, and all of the different. The, yeah, they're the called. card keys. Yeah, and uses uh, and basically uses the club key on a painting. Like there's a painting Ooh, of a chick castle or something with an umbrella on one. It was a club. No, the club's the green one. That's what they used, was it not? No, it's red. It's the diamond. It wasn't the, the diamond. Heart. The heart. It's it the wasn't, heart then. I don't think it was. Because it's a red keyhole and the heart is the red key. But I thought it was the one with the three circles, which was the clubs. We will have to look at it we'll again. We'll have to double check it. Oh, we'll find out. Either way, they use one of the keys on the painting. It's hidden behind one of the balloons on the painting. So they leave. The door closes and that leaves Lisa Trevor behind yeah. in... Raccoon and, City, and that's kind her of, exit. We're kind of officially going into the third act of the film. Yeah, now. so we're pacing quickly um, towards the finale. So let's, so let's, let's just stop talk about Lisa Trevor. Yeah, so Lisa Trevor in the original games is a villain through and through. Yeah. Like in terms of how she's used in the game. She is. However, so remember, her, she's only in the remake, she's not in the original. Yeah, yeah, but she was planned for the original. Yeah, she was cut so, content. Yeah, she was cut content and then they put her back in the remake. So she does have a long history, even though technically it's she, only 20 years. She has, she has one of the most tragic backstories in the series yes and now here's the thing the look of lisa trevor is very specifically designed from the games for for that tragic backstory which isn't touched upon in this film no and doesn't kind of connect because she because because she's kind of played as a hero because as well i don't know if you know this in the canon of the games the g virus comes from lisa trevor yes when she absorbs the nemesis parasite that's the one so in this film she's kind of a tragic hero Really, yeah. Whereas in the games, she's a tragic villain, uh, kind of an anti-villain, I suppose. Yeah, because she's not, she's not evil, evil, but she does evil things because of the mutations and the lack yeah. of sanity and, and, and the trauma. She's obviously, got no trust in humanity. No, of what's been and, done and, to and, yeah, all the traumas and stuff like that. So in the film, she looks very similar to how she looks in the game. She's she got does. her own face, and then she's got other faces stapled, stapled over the top of hers. And let's just talk in, about that from for the yeah, minute. Yeah, because you know, at the start of the film, I thought she looked. Really really good yeah the mistake they make in this final scene she's too much in the light yeah and it looks cheap and rubbery yeah and to be honest I'd prefer not to have seen her real face underneath the other faces it humanised her a bit too much it's too human in the game I think you get a glimpse you do get that glimpse she's kind of haunted face almost yeah yeah with the white eyes yeah because the thing is she's got like a normal face in this with other faces stapled on but in the games as you say she's a haunted tortured soul Mm. so she's her face is fucking haunting and then she staples other dead faces on it and the noise she makes in there mother yeah yeah all of that's gone in the film to make this sort of tragic hero character I'm not sure that was a good move I can understand why in the game the reason she had the stapled faces was because as she got more and more experimented on and was losing parts of her mind people she cared about the nurse who looked after her her mother and things like that she would you know recognise them get on well with them but as her mind slipped away she would suddenly dissociate their face from the person that they were Mm. so she'd go oh this person's stolen mother's face I bet to take the face back mm. I'll, you know keep it on me so that when I meet mum again I can give her yeah. her face back do you know what I think we should all of that was missing so you know we do every now and again on this podcast we do a quick rewrite of a film to see if we can make it better yep I'm about to do a quick rewrite of Welcome to Raccoon City okay go 
Now, I get that they wanted Lisa Trevor in because it's yet another monster to put in it. I get that. And to be fair, it's the only monster from Resident Evil 1 exclusively that's in there. Yeah, yeah. Because the tyrant's obviously not in this, Yawn isn't in it or anything like that. In theory, the fact that an Umbrella experiment would want to help dethrone Umbrella makes sense. Yep, absolutely. Certainly one with the tragic backstory of Lisa Trevor. With Lisa Trevor, it doesn't quite work because she's so monstrous. Here's what I would have done instead. Cut Lisa Trevor from the film, and instead, although to be fair, this would make her too old, because um, she she obviously was around when Claire was a kid, wasn't she? Yeah. But I would have it be that Birkin was experimenting on his own daughter, Sherry, because Birkin never cared about his daughter in the canon of the games anyway. No, he did in the remake. He did. It Not was really. it was Annette that didn't care. I mean, both of them abandon her in favour of their work all the that time. That is true. What I would have done is have him be experimenting on his own daughter. That gives you a reason for Claire to then rescue her, and you get the Claire and Sherry relationship, which yeah. is missing from this film. She actually is rescued just, more by Jill and Chris. Yeah, and she essentially Sherry just turns up and has no story. She, I think she has three or four lines yeah, in the whole and film. And then she's just sort of there. Yeah, I would have had that. And then have her be... Don't have her be monstrous like Lisa Trevor. No. Just have her be mildly disfigured or something yeah, like or scars gaunt, or gaunt. gaunt. I mean, in the games, Sherry gets infected with the G-Virus anyway. The, like the, 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 you know, she does. She gets impregnated by her dad. <laughs> which is... This, oh. is set in a, this is set in the southern states. In the southern states. Hey, do you want to get impregnated we, by your papa? Yeah, we do this <laughs> all the time down here. <laughs> Keep the bloodline strong. Yes, we do, sir. Oh, I, feel, my na- I feel sick. My name is Ignatius. William Peabody. <laughs> I don't know what you're quoting there. And I hate it. I'm not. I, I, just, hate I just, it. just put some names together. Anyway, the okay. point is that's what I would have done. As much as I liked having Lisa Trevor in this, I would have cut her from the film personally. Yeah. So we jump back in at 4:23 a.m. Chris is alone in the mansion, and there's a silly zombie running at him and it fails as a jump scare for me it was just so pathetic it reminded me more of like the cheesier elements of house of the dead than it reminded me of anything resident evil mm. there's it's just the first bit before the main action sequence where this like from the left side of the screen there's somebody just goes Aah! and runs in with its arms waving and they get shot i was like yeah. that was crap that was proper crap then we get to an action sequence now we're going to disagree with this we've already kind of touched on this oh is this bit not been already no no, this is wow. where we are. This is the run-up to the final sequence. And there's a lot of reviews, you say, that praise this sequence. I thought it was trash. Absolute yeah. trash. So there's an action sequence with just Chris trying to escape the mansion or trying to find Jill, whichever one it is. He's just doing something trying to escape the mansion. And he's getting attacked he's by... He's trying to get away from zombies. Yeah, exactly. There's zombies left, right and centre all surrounding him, trying to kill him. And he's shooting them. Now, there's no lights, it seems, anywhere in this section of the mansion. So the only lighting we get is when he's so it's pitch black basically except the moments where Chris's gun is firing which gives uh, like a really sharp and abrasive strobe effect yeah which just to give a note for the 4DX version this is when the flash bulbs were deployed they were flashing in time with the muzzle flash and it really got across the disorientation because you literally you could barely keep your eyes open it was like yeah, so, I mean, the fact that you didn't really get to see that action sequence is probably why you enjoyed it more. Mm. I saw it all because I didn't watch it in 4DX, 
and it was crap. I thought, like the thing. Let's forget the fact that obviously it's not good for epileptics. Let's just ignore that for yeah. the time being. Yeah, they shouldn't be watching Resident Evil anyway. <laughs> no, <laughs> but forget that point. But yeah, I just put strobe action sequence is terrible. Do not want. <laughs> I really didn't like it. I hated it. Now, yeah. a, a step like as a stylish set piece, I kind of understood it. However, the problem is, is when I watch an action sequence, I want to see the action. It's not like it's a dance sequence or it's trying to build up tension. This is the release of tension in the action, and it didn't match for me. See, I really liked it. Um, I thought it was quite an interesting way of doing because to me, I I don't, again, I, I don't think of it as an action sequence. I think of it as a horror sequence. Right, and it's what's more scary than things coming at you in the dark. Dooley and Marini, I think it might be Dooley, awakens as a zombie. And oh, this is the bit with the cigarette lighter, isn't it? Yes, it is. And you've got the cigarette lighter is the only thing you can see. And I just put on here, blind jump scares suck. That's how I'm turning off our viewers for today, <laughs> Jamie. Um, Chris and Jill find each other. And uh, Jill says, Wesker betrayed us. He was going to leave us here to die. We've already discussed how that was not in the dialogue, nor in anything else, because, again, Wesker could have let Jill get eaten by that zombie before running away. Yeah. He saves her, and then she's like, oh, he's a backstabbing bastard. Is that... Yeah. Jill doesn't ask about Richard, because Chris goes, where's Wesker? And she goes, oh, he betrayed us, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, gonna ask about Richard, Jill? Yeah. No, you couldn't give a fuck, could you? No one cares about Richard. He's dead. No one cares about Dickie. Claire and Leon find a film reel. This is the Easter egg that was meant for me. Yes, I think it was just for you. They find a film reel machine, and Claire plays it, and there's the a video. It's a remake, basically shot for shot, shot yeah. remake. Other than Birkin being in the background, it yeah. is perfect. Perfect shot for shot and remake. I'd like to point out another one of my predictions I got right. Yep. Johannes Roberts confirmed in a interview before the film released yep. that there was one brief shot in the film that was actually game, game footage. Yeah. And I, I bet you didn't i last time yeah, yeah, you that did. it would be the dragonfly being eaten by the ants go back to last week's episode the 2002 film you'll hear jamie say that and that was recorded a good two or three weeks before yep. this one yeah so. and i was right the bit with the dragonfly actually in the tank yep. is the actual footage from code veronica so i caught that as well because you'd mentioned it but the so the elixir and alfred ashford video from Code Veronica is in there where they're picking the wings off of a dragonfly and they drop it into a bunch of ants who mm. then eat the dragonfly and then they um, look like they're going they, they, they put look their like faces gonna very close to each yeah, other they look like they're about to embrace it and was then, always a weird moment yeah. but yeah and so then the bit that's different on, is we see Birkin is there taking notes yes I put on there though the short clip from the game of ants eating the dragonfly but I did put it's hard to tell sometimes due to the amount of post-production effects mm. they added an awful lot of post-production sort of yeah. filmic effects Which, to try to and Fair, I think they had because it's PS2 graphics. No, it's not. It's Dreamcast. Or Dreamcast graphics. Don't you fucking taint my Dreamcast game with your PS2. Well, you don't know. Did they take it from the X version or from the X version's from the Dreamcast anyway? What you on about? Well, there is no Code Veronica X on Dreamcast. Yes, there is. Go to Japan, my friend. Oh, fuck Japan. Mm, We had it first. You know, stuff your PlayStation. Don't say we. You're not a Japanese person. I'm a Dreamcast person, my friend. On our Sega Hard Girls episode, you referred to Japan as an uncivilized nation. Yes, and therefore I have to defend them now. Didn't you say we have Japanese listeners? Yes, not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) They listen through Sega Hard Girls. Maybe, maybe they like being. Maybe they like it when I tell them that they're naughty boys. Unless it's um, girls, in which case I'm stuffed. <laughs> yeah. But no, um, 
I, I was Japanese very... listeners. I I, yeah, okay, sorry. I was incredibly appreciative that there was a Code Veronica reference. And although, I'm just going to say this now, I know we're not going to get it because the film isn't doing well, but Johannes Roberts has basically confirmed in an interview they that the sequel would be Code Veronica. Now, and I'd the like setup is all there for yeah. it. I, I'd, I'd like to see that. Um, I yeah, I would like to see that. I think for me, because of this shot as well as a few other things, it felt like this was a rush to the finish so that he could get on with Code Veronica. Yeah, that's what it felt like to me. This film gets rid of not only Resident Evil One and Two but Three as well because there's no Raccoon City to go back through as Jill. Yeah, so, and Jill isn't separate from everyone else. No, so She's it's essentially it's wipe the slate clean. Just like no, we're going straight for fucking Code Veronica. <laughs> I put here Claire destroys the evidence equals moron because she gets the booklet which proves that she she rips it up I'm like what are you doing you absolute melt yeah it's the one time that she's an absolute prat in the whole film uh, let's just quickly talk about Chaos Godelario though so the actress playing Claire Okay, so she. I don't know the actors', actors names for most of these. Claire is kind of the linchpin of the film. She's really yes. the central character, and a lot of people have criticised it because she is not the performance, the writing of Claire. For most of the film, she is at one level. Yes, she's not up and down but this is one scene where we get to see her break out the emotion and she's got the really watery eyes and you can see a little bit how traumatised she was in this version she's meant to have been traumatised by Birkin as a child run away I would have liked to have seen her be a lot more emotional when she's trying to prove to Chris like Chris why don't you just fucking believe me when she first meets him and stuff like that instead as you say it's a little bit flat it's always like no Chris please listen I'm correct no you must listen I'm correct oh I can kick the shit out of everything yeah. And this is the only time that she has sort of an emotional outburst. Uh, but yeah, she does destroy the evidence like an absolute prat. So she kind of destroys her own ability to get back at Umbrella there. I put why are the Ashford videos here because obviously the Ashfords in the games are from Europe and, you know, the, that footage yeah. is in Europe, though. It's clear that if they were to do the sequel to this, I think Johannes Roberts would make Alexia and Alfred Americans... At the orphanage. At the orphanage. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if they would do it, because obviously in Code Veronica, the backstory is that Alfred and Alexia are test tube babies created by Alexander Ashford. Yes. I wonder if they'd do that, that Birkin did that. Maybe. Only one way to find out. Please make that film, Johannes. Please. And to be fair... I would actually like to... I would want to watch it. Although the box office is bad, the film has broken even now, I believe, with its production budget, and hasn't been released in Asian markets yet. So there is still So it could still... If it did well in, like, China or something... Then if it does well in China, then it will get a sequel. And then, yeah, yeah, and the sequel will be Resident Evil 6 in China. (laughs) Dear Lord! I don't think they would, because Resident Evil 6 is killing most of China with the new virus isn't it and that might be too close to home now yes <laughs> anyway continuing the story Birkin has a live zombie on a medical bed with its chest Birkin, open. Birkin who disappeared from the film for a whole hour yep he, yeah he was gone he's got his wife and daughter in yeah. the room and at first I was so like and, and at, at first I was like dude what the fuck like you wouldn't do that and then it obviously I realised that the point was that yeah you wouldn't do that the reason he's he's gone off the fucking deep so this is one problem I have with the film is it doesn't communicate that properly see we know from the games that yeah Birkin goes fucking nuts and he's all like 
You'll never take the G-Virus away from me. I won't just yeah. hand over my life's work. But in this, he was kind of perfectly fine. Yeah, and, and he, then all of a like, sudden... I'm a, like, I'm a caring father. No, we have to get out of here now. I really must look after my kids. Yeah. Oh, look, here's a dead zombie, darling. You just sit over there with that. It's like, what yeah. the fuck? However, I will say this. As you say, we both know the games. We both know the story. We both know what's going on with William Birkin. My girlfriend has no idea. She went and watched it with me, and... She found this shot particularly shocking, and she actually—I think she quite not enjoyed it per se, because that wouldn't be the way that I think she'd phrase it. But she—I think she would have appreciated the shock factor of it mm. because of the whole fact that he just seemed like a you know a relatively normal enough dad, and then all of a sudden he's being that irresponsible. I think smashed home for her just how far gone he really was, despite appearances so maybe it does work for a, a less resident evil knowledgeable audience yeah. for like a casual audience maybe because she didn't call it out as bullshit which is what i kind of expected her to do yeah wesker holds up birkin for the g-virus so he reaches the room and holds him up birkin shoots wesker in the stomach but wesker gets off three shots and essentially kills, kills birkin. birkin he's not fully dead yet but he's bleeding out to death on the floor yeah. annette goes to shoot wesker and Wesker shoots her in the head and kills her straight away. And to be fair, because they're trying to do this weird sympathetic Wesker thing, looks horrified at what he's done. Yeah, it he? was just basically survival instinct, wasn't it? Yeah, but he was going to kill him. Yeah, so he, you know, he had no choice, but at the same time, so he's destroyed by it, but he has murdered her. And then we find out that Birkin has already injected himself. With the G-Virus. With the G-Virus. Sherry's in hiding as Wesker tries to leave. Sherry comes out and picks up the gun, points it at Wesker. Wesker aims his gun at her, and so there's a face-off between whether Wesker will kill Sherry or not. Jill then shoots Wesker before he can kill Sherry. Wesker's on the floor, and he, again, not being the villain, he's like the misunderstood... Anti-heroes or anti-villain yeah, soldier. He going, says, oh, I never would have pulled the trigger, doesn't he? Yeah, he apologises like a weak-willed anti-villain, telling Jill to get underground onto the train and leave. Yeah. So now we know where they can See, go. can I do my second quick rewrite You here? go right ahead. So, do you remember I said, I like that Wesker kills Birkin. Yep. And there is no reason that Wesker couldn't have worked for Umbrella. No. Right? It should have been that Wesker was working for Umbrella all this time, knew Birkin, that he is trying to join a rival organisation and the price of admission to that rival organisation is a sample of the G-Virus. Have him turn up, have the scene play out like it does where he shoots Birkin. Yep. Then have Jill and Chris turn up, do the standoff with like, and basically with better dialogue recreate the scene outside the tyrant lab yep. in resi one where they're like so you've just betrayed the stars and have wesker be all, all a bit bragging like we know wesker's where he's yeah, like yeah. you think i'm just a slave to umbrella but i have my own plans and then as he dies in resident evil one but with birkin instead of the tyrant yeah, yeah, yeah. have birkin having mutated on the floor claw straight through Wesker. Yeah, the way that Wesker dies in the game is via a mutated tyrant. Yeah. But yeah, he just gets shot. Yeah, <laughs> in the, with the famous bad dialogue. What are you doing? No! Don't come this way! Yeah, I just love the fact that in Japanese games they didn't understand that come can mean something else. Yeah. You can play through things like House of the Dead 2 and they've just got women shouting at zombies, Will don't you? come! Yeah. Don't come! You're like, oh, don't, yeah. don't do that. Don't. Um, so uh, here's an opinion that may be controversial, I don't think it is. So we said that they put a lot of effort into the liquor. Yep. The other thing they've put a lot of effort into, first form Birkin, I think actually looks pretty cool. 
Okay, yeah, no, I'll agree with that. Where, where yeah, he's yeah. half human still and he's just got the claw arm. Thing. Yeah, that was really good. So I've put on here, after the gang leave, Birkin wakes up and his arms start to split. But yeah, you and don't you see, see much. one of his cheeks starts to undulate as well. Yeah, but you don't get much. You just no. get like a hint and you know what's coming. If you played Resident Evil 2, you know what the fuck's coming. Yeah. So Jill and Sherry go on ahead down the elevator shaft to sort of get to safety. Chris stays behind because he hears a weird noise and then checking back and on he, it, it's a mutated and, Birkin. And if you remember, he can't actually fit through the gap that they they squeeze through that gap don't they and he can't get through that would have made more sense if he was you know muscular punching rocks Chris I mean not that Robbie ML's in bad shape no 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 no, yeah but he's not hench as shit he's not the rock let's put it as he becomes in the later games Um, so here's another bit where I think there's deleted footage because all of a sudden this bit I wasn't a fan of Mm -hmm. Birkin still has his human intelligence at this point yeah but he's clearly going a bit crazy and he starts mocking Chris saying I was never a father figure blah blah yeah so he says I'll give you the quote did you really believe you could be part of my family yeah now here's the thing other than the very brief mention at the beginning where he's like, Birkin's been like a dad to me. Yeah. This hasn't been a through line through the film. No, there's been no communication between Birkin or Chris. Like, oh, yeah. like Chris calling Birkin going, Are you okay? It should have been a tug of war for Chris between Claire and Birkin. Yeah. And Birkin being like, your sister's crazy. She's always had problems. You know that. Yeah. You need to bring her in for treatment. I'm the good guy kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. There I think is none of really that. Well. So yeah. when he suddenly starts saying, did you really think you could be part of my friend? It comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And you're like, what? Like, Neil McDonald's doing a fine enough job of doing it. It's, it's standard not, it's not mustache. His it's the script. Yeah, it's standard mustache twirling villain stuff. Uh, yeah. But he's doing it well, so who cares? And uh, admittedly, the arm looks fucking cool. The arm looks great. Um, and I like the fact you can see that as you can the in the eye remake, slowly grows. And you can see, like, extra bones start to grow throughout the scene. Yeah. Because that is the point of the G virus, it never con- stops mutating. Constant mutation, yeah. Um, um, and I, I do believe, I suspect, because just because it looks good, I suspect that's not entirely CGI. I suspect it's a mixture of practical and CGI. Maybe injected Neil no. I think it's like how they did so the way they did Nemesis in the Anderson films is there is a physical rubber suit that someone's wearing but then they augmented it with CGI to make it move and stuff I think they've done that Okay, because it it is a cool effect the way they film him mutating he's almost in silhouette because he's backlit and you see his hands start to like split apart that was quite cool yeah 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 where they used it was kind of minimalist but worked really well yeah Uh, that's probably because of budget but but they were very inventive but with the budget they had. All, all of the best horror films ever made are ones that had a limited budget. And did the best with what they had. Yeah. Like The, the Thing. Yeah, like The Thing. Yeah. Like Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. And I mean, if, you, if you're talking about mutation films, The Thing has got to be one of the greatest. Yeah, with The a Fly. Budget. The Fly, yeah, yeah. I put again, Chris is useless. He literally does nothing except get grabbed by the throat. Yeah. He does literally nothing to Birkin in this whole scene. And as Birkin throttles him, again, Claire shows up with a shotgun and shoots Birkin multiple times to quote-unquote kill him. Obviously, he'll mutate and come back again in a minute. But again, Claire is the one who saves the day. Chris is like, oh, I've got the gun. I know it's a mutant. I'm the shit hot shot. But literally does zero. He's fucking useless. Oh, I noted this. I noted this. So, and this is going to be funny because, again, we're doing Legend of Zelda next week. Mm. Now, you bet you're wondering, what's the Legend of Zelda connection here with Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City? Does someone say, well, excuse me? No. Birkin says, just before he dies in this form, 
he says, Chris, my boy. Like, Link, my boy. Yeah. I was like, no, no way. Yeah. Why is he quoting Zelda? And there's no way you're telling me he he's not fucking quoting Legend of yeah. Zelda there. The shitty games from the Philips CDI. Link, my boy. Yeah. He linked my boy him. I don't get it. I love it. I actually liked it. It made me laugh. It was crap, but I loved it. Anyway, Chris killshots Birkin while he's on the floor after Claire's already done the fucking hard yeah. work. And he and Claire have a hug. For me, the weakest part of the film is this end section. Yeah. None of this felt like it was built up to. No. And it's I'll just e- thrown in there. It, yeah, like, there doesn't feel like a sense of build to Birkin. No. Because he's been gone for half the fucking film. Yeah, and then he's a, he suddenly appears, gets shot, mutates, and gets he's shot. killed very quickly. And don't mm. get me wrong, I understand, because they had a low budget and a short run time, mm. I understand you can't do all fucking eight different Birkin forms that there are. No, of course. I get that, because he does have about eight fucking forms. Oh, I know, They yeah. probably did pick the right two to use. Yes. This just didn't feel like a... Like, as I was watching it, I was very aware that I felt underwhelmed. And I've got to admit, not now I'm older, but when I was younger and I saw the 2002 film for the first time, it at least feels like a climax. Yeah. Because you... I think because you've got the countdown timer running down... You've got the liquor chasing Which they've them. tried with the timing, like 4am, 4.23am, etc. But it just doesn't feel right. It's, it just feels kind of... It feels a bit forced. I think as well it's because we know... So that's the countdown to Raccoon's destruction. Yeah. Whereas in the other it's the ceiling of the hive. We know Raccoon is going to get destroyed because it happens in the games. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the hive, because it was an original thing that doesn't exist in the games, you didn't know, were they going to get locked in? I don't think it's that. I, th- I, th- I think it's the writing. Far from be it me trying to suggest that the 2002 movie is brilliant writing, it's far from no. it. But I think... Because it's so brain dead, yeah. the thing it got right was pace. Very basic pacing. It doesn't, yeah. it, it, you know, it didn't throw any curveballs at you. It wasn't a surprise. It wasn't very intelligent. Yeah. But it knew what it needed to do to get a particular I, I must, vibe across. I must say, I have one. Although I said I'm happy to see a Johannes Roberts directed sequel, I am. Yep. I would like him to have a co writer preferably someone who is a full-time writer as opposed to a director who also writes. What about Paul W.S. Anderson? I will kill you. <laughs> um, but someone who gets pacing. Yes. And, and again, I hope that the reason that the pacing is off in this is because he was forced to do two together and wasn't given the budget and time that he would otherwise yeah. prefer. Leon catches up to them. They all catch up to Jill somehow. That's never. That's kind of shown off camera. It's like they all meet up like, oh, it's Leon. Oh, it's Cleon Claire. That's great. And then all of a sudden, they, it, it just jumps down to the yeah. sewers, fun, and they're all together with Jill and Sherry. Fun, fun fact, though, this is the only time we've ever had all the main heroes in the franchise meet. In, no, in Resident Evil ca- 6. No, Jill never meets them. Yeah, but Jill doesn't count. <laughs> Jill has never met Leon Kennedy in the, sh- in the games. That's true. That's true. Or but, Claire, I don't think. Uh... No, I don't think she has, actually. No. You can't have two girls in the same game, mate. That's, that's Oh, no, God forbid. God forbid oh. you have too much too much woman. Uh, all, this, all this woke <laughs> shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fucking women everywhere. 4.55am. The group reached the train underground, and Leon figures out how to make it operate. Yeah, this... This whole bit so is, this is quite this, weak. I mean, this whole bit is very accurate to the video game to a certain degree, mm. but at the same time, it feels very rushed. The, At this point, the they train, are really trying to end the film it, very quickly. It does feel like, and I've heard other people say this, because we all know it's a low-budget film. Yeah, yeah. It almost feels like they shot it in chronological 
order because you can feel that the budget's running out at this point. Yeah, yeah. The train is very bland and basic. It doesn't look at all like the train from the game. No. Um, it is literally just a basically a grey metal box, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the whole, I mean, this whole Birkin final boss fight lasts, what, 30 seconds? Yeah, it's not particularly long. Birkin mutates again. <gasps> Surprise, he's back. Even though he still seems dead at the time. As the train pulls out, we have a wonderful scene that seems to be required in this sort of modern Hollywood production that of Chris apologising to Claire, oh, I'm so sorry, I got everything so I wrong. I didn't believe you. I didn't believe on the women, but it's because I'm a silly white man. You know, Tuesday doesn't say silly white man. We know that that was the fucking point. Anyway, so, <laughs> I'm sorry, if we're calling out incel stuff, which we absolutely should, we should call out this bullshit as well. I mean, to be fair, I think her apology is owed because she's his sister and he should have... Yeah, but again, because the, the argument preceding it in the beginning of the film was so shite, yeah. and we don't get much of them together for the rest of the no, film. No, we don't. They are quite separate. And because he, she's constantly saving him, I think maybe thanking her for saving him is more important than apologising. But then, again, it's it's because there's too much going on and not enough time to have it pace out properly. So we're now in the final stretch, the very final stretch. 5.59am. One minute to destruction. A sinkhole opens beneath the mansion... And it falls into the yeah, earth. Yeah, man, okay, I'm, I'm skipping slightly here, but we've got to talk about this. Because this, this is one thing Johannes Roberts gets really wrong. And I think he's got a lot of things right in this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The destruction of the mansion and the destruction of Raccoon City itself bad. is awful. It's invin- like, I've got, Where's like, the it, missile? It's, There's no missile. Also, is it depth charges? Is that what gets I don't know, because basically things just explode and mm. sink into the ground, but there's no actual fire, there's no explosion. Whatever explosion it is, is invisible, completely it's a invisible. cheap effect. Yeah, yeah, so all you get is things just fall in and like some dust around the edge of what a supposed explosion is supposed to be. Mm. But yeah, you don't see any missiles, you don't see any actual fire, you don't see any actual explosions, no mushroom cloud, nothing yeah. like that. It's literally yeah. just some dust at the edge of a ring around things blowing yeah, up. But yes, the cow. The cow. We'll get to the cow in a second. The brass knocks the train off its tracks as Birkin climbs on the outside of the train. Mm-hmm. Birkin then rips into the back of the rear of the carriage Yeah, and grabs Claire. Yeah, and shall we say it? Almost a Claire sandwich. Birkin looks fucking awful. I didn't think he looked that Bir- bad. First form Birkin looked good. Yeah. This form Birkin. It looked accurate to the game. It doesn't. No, I'm sorry. It doesn't look accurate to the game. Does it not to you? No. I thought it looked pretty accurate no. to the remake, at least. No, it doesn't. For starters, why is his skin silvery grey? It never was in. Well, it's kind of got pinky reddish tints to it. Does it? Yeah, at least it's... when I watched it. But, I mean, you were probably blinded by the fucking strobe scene. No, the strobes were gone by this no, point. No, well, were they? Were well, <laughs> you still blinking and seeing stars? Um, I'm still seeing strobes now. S- seeing stars. Stars. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't look... Good. It's not me. as convincing. I will give it that. I, I actually quite. I didn't mind it. Uh, certainly because we're right at the very end. I was just like, whatever. Let's just get to the end of this bitch. I can see what you mean. It, it, and it's the wrong. It's I think the they've wrong. given him too much light. He's too they've light. They've lit him too much. And he, it's also. And I don't mean as in I wanted to see all the forms. It's the wrong form for the wrong setting. Let me explain. So well, in the in train, the game, he was just he's a the blob, blob, wasn't he? Yeah. And the reason the blob works on the train is it's a confined space. That's terrifying because he's filling the space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The form they've chosen... And he was to... slowly growing further into the yes. train, wasn't he? Yeah, Yeah. well, he actually starts to push the walls of the train out, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so big. But the form they've chosen to go within the film is arguably the most iconic Birkin form, which is the one that's still got Birkin's face well, you on s- the chest. Birkin's face is still in the blob. 
Is it? Yeah, it, I mean, you have to really squint not to see it. Not in the original, it's not. Oh, in the remake it is. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the one that's got Birkin's face down here, the monster head on top, yeah, and like the, the four arms. Yeah, it looks more like a warrior, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. The problem is, that's a, a very cool creature design that you're now trapping in a tiny cramped space where we can't appreciate it. Yeah, because the whole point of that is it's quite agile, unlike the blob. Yes. And you are now put an agile villain into a very small compressed space they can't go anywhere yeah we don't see what it can do yeah so it's i don't even know if it yeah. has four arms i didn't count it, yeah because i mean to be honest it doesn't need to be that form because all it does is it has an arm that grabs claire it could just be a tentacle from yeah the it blob. only ever grabs one of them at a time <laughs> doesn't it yeah so you could have just used a tentacle from the blob mm. and achieved the same thing yeah i was happy though that they had chris take out the eyeballs which is yep. how you tickle it in the game that is true however it does fuck all well it makes it drop claire no it doesn't no, no, it doesn't. I noted that. Chris shoots his pistol, does less than nothing. Birkin doesn't notice. Claire knifes Birkin in his original face. Mm. Not the new... And that like, makes even, him drop And her. that makes him drop her. So actually, Claire is the one who gets herself out of yeah. it. Chris is just standing there shooting the whole time, just riddling bullets into the eyeballs. At least he's hitting him. <laughs> he's, he's hitting him, but it, like, if he just kept doing that and Claire didn't knife Birkin in the face, Claire would be dead. End of story. And it's only after that point that Leon appears with the rocket launcher and fires it into Birkin. Of course, it's Resident Evil. We have to end the rocket launcher. Well, yeah, and to be fair, it's canonical to the games as well. That's how the the train What's the line he says? I can't remember. It's not the exact (laughs) line from the game, I don't think. No, I I didn't write down that quote. I think in the game, I think he says game over. Something like that. Because I know, I'm talking about the original here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because Claire, I know when Claire fires the rocket launcher, she goes, you lose, which is awful. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure he says game over. Right. Um, so Leon gets the final blow. Yeah. But even this, you see the rocket launcher go off. You see Chris get thrown from the blast. You never see Birkin actually explode. No, you just assume he's wanted, gone. Yeah. yeah, he's just vanished. Yeah, they just, just stopped animating him at this point. <laughs> yeah, basically, he's out of frame. He's out of mind. So then we see randomly after the explosion goes off with the rocket launcher, we then cut to a cow on a farm. This is a really badly judged joke. Because we don't need it at this point. We needed more actual story, not a fucking cow. And there's a cow on some generic farm just standing there, just being a cow. And then it cuts back to the train and then back to the cow. It almost feels like the editing was botched accidentally at that point. But yeah, when we come back to the cow the second time, very quickly, it's the middle of the day. For the cow, I noted. It's like, but it's it's been night time. It's, it's just turned six a.m. It's middle of the daylight for the cow, yeah. and the invisible blast so just waves Rapid through and explodes. Yeah. yeah, and the cow gets blown off the screen. And I, I suppose that's meant to be funny, but it wasn't. It was the wrong time for that sort of a joke, and the explosion was badly done, and the cow was clearly CGI. It and needed to be a missile. It, yeah, right, it, I'm it, sorry. It, it and did. at that point, I understand that you know Johannes Roberts has added a lot of jokes into this, like the bit with the trucker on fire and stuff like that. Much more forgivable without this joke. This wasn't the time for the joke, and it was a crap joke to begin with. And you just wasted budget on CGI you didn't need to. On the screen, we get text come up on the screen as if it's in an old black and green Matrix style mm-hmm. CRT computer. Umbrella Records shows zero survivors of Raccoon City. Uh, confirms Raccoon City's gone, confirms the Spencer Mansion's gone, and confirms that the lab was named Nest, yep. like in the remake, and that it's gone. Yep. So all of that's confirmed, and then from the tunnel where the train was obviously supposed to come out of, we have Chris, Claire, Jill, Leon, and Sherry wow. emerge safely. 
barely walk out and it cuts to black. Yeah, and then it cuts to credits. That's the end of the film proper, but there is one more scene. So let's just jump to that quickly and then we'll do sort of final thoughts and stuff like that. So the end credit sequence, after the main end credits, before we get to sort of the big the big list we then get another scene there's a body in a black body bag in a brown room which is a very good remake of Resident Evil 1 remake had an FMV sequence before the main title screen of a zombie in a black body bag in a brown room getting up going and then getting shot in the head again set designer did a brilliant job with that sequence the body bag gets up but it's still zipped up closed but this time it unzips and emerges Wesker. Wesker He falls onto the floor. He seems to be oh, oh. He's all kind he's of all over the place. Naked. So he's scrawling around the floor. Now the thing they don't really actually—it was not a good performance, though. I get okay. what he's going for. He's getting for panic. Yeah, but it was funny. It was yeah, it was funny. And but the other problem is, is we only find out after the next bit that the reason he's panicking on the floor is because the room's too bright. Mm. But that's not really shown either in his performance or in the dialogue or yeah. anything like that. Were he just sh- seems to be panicking across the yeah. floor. Were you shocked this really felt like they run out of money, that they don't show his eyes? No, they don't. Yeah, that, that was a bit... Are they? And the only reason I can think of... There's only if two they nixed the cow, they could have fucking paid for his eyes. There's only two reasons I can think of that they've done that. One is the budget ran out. Mm. Or two... Since he is planning Code Veronica as the sequel, you've played Code Veronica? Of course, that's so, the first one I played. Code Veronica's the first one where they reveal Wesker's eyes. Yeah, and they're and green, it's aren't quite they? Uh, yellow. Oh, yellow, that's The lizard yeah, yeah, pupils. Yeah. And it is quite an iconic scene where he's choking Chris and Chris punches Might him. Might be saving it for and that. And then you get Wesker, like turns back opens his eyes and maybe they're saving it for that i think they might be doing that but yeah so he crawls on the floor he's panicking and a woman's voice says you're awake at last the camera turns around and there is ada wong actually an actress i only expected there to be a voiceover because normally you don't pay for an actress if you can get away with it that way you can just sort of subvert any actress into the sequels but no Dressed as she is in the second dressed. in the remake. Yep, two. That's it. Ada Wong is there. Uh, she gives him shades for his eyes. Explains that oh, your eyes are super sensitive. Try these. He puts on the shades, and we have a, more of an Wesker alike. Cut to black, and that's the whole thing. We did it. Um, <laughs> so I went into this film knowing it wouldn't be a faithful, a hundred percent faithful recreation. It couldn't again. be. It never could be. And anyone who uh, let me just be clear on something. I know I try not to say hate at the audience anymore, but I will do at the minute. The fucking idiots who are out there saying this is the worst film ever made. You people Who's saying are that? literally loads of people on Facebook oh, and YouTube. Get, uh, uh, and uh, honestly, here's the thing: just you, like they do with Super Mario Brothers, there's so much in common with this film <laughs> and Super Mario. Brothers. But here's the thing. You people out there. I'm going to keep banging that drum. If this is the worst film you've ever seen, you haven't seen really bad films. No. I've been to loads of indie We've film covered fest- worse films than this just in the last fucking yes. what, seven episodes. Definitely. I've Postal's been- worse than this. Yes. Resident Evil 2002 is worse than this. Stay Alive is worse than this. I've been to indie film festivals. I've seen what truly terrible films are. Yeah, same, same. But Wesker... Don't get me wrong, there's some... By the way, that sounds like all indie films are shit. They're not. There's some genuine gold in there, but there are some that are just what you'd imagine. So my overall feelings on this is, overall, I was very happy when I came out of the cinema. I was very entertained. For the most part, I think it's a good film. It's a fun film. I think Johannes Roberts has some talent as a horror director. Yep. Uh, my biggest disappointment is Wesker because I don't see I'm very very much hoping they do Code Veronica next Wesker is a big part of Code Veronica yep. but at the minute unless they're going to do like a time jump or something 
I don't see how Wesker's character gets from where he is now... Even at the end of the post-credits sequence. ...to being the cold, calculating mastermind that he is. I hope they're not going to do a thing... Because this is what the Anderson films did, is they made Wesker just a henchman. And if they make him just a henchman to Ada Wong... I'll be very annoyed. Yeah. It's very weird that they've introduced Ada Wong like this as well, because obviously Ada Wong's kind of her defining thing is her on-off weird tension relationship thing with Leon. And, that and she hasn't met Leon. No, in fact, she's only in that one shot with Wesker. I will agree with you. I, I enjoyed this film. I, you know, I know I shout on quite a few segments of it. Far from the best video game adaptation. Far, far, far from the worst. Uh, however, this is one of the best, in my opinion. It's definitely the best Resident Evil. It's definitely the best Resident Evil. Um, it's, but that's... That that's not saying much because I think the best Resident Evil before this is the 2002 movie, which I gave well, possibly a possibly apocalypse, a possibly apocalypse, and the first Resident Evil movie last week I gave a five out of ten. It only had to be above average, yeah. So in order to be the best of that, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd call this one of the best video game adaptations. I mean, I, of the ones I've seen, it is because bear in mind it's better than any Uwe Boll film. I, I mean, fuck um, me. Uh, to be honest, all, I, I don't know about all of them, but certainly the first yeah. several Resident Evil films from the 2000s yeah. were better than Uwe Boll films. It's more fun but it's not better than silent hill it's a more fun film than silent hill and silent hill is very depressing (laughs) yes i mean Um, yeah i mean to be fair that's more accurate to the games you know silent hill is not a fun game (laughs) no and so if it was a fun film it would have been completely wrong silent Um, hill is terrifying yeah it has to be it has to be um resident evil is as you say more akin to b movies so there has to have that fun element to it the biggest problem for me, I think I agree with you, the biggest problem for me is Wesker, because that's going to be a problem going forward if they don't rectify it. Yeah. The other problems, you know, Lisa Trevor, the issues I have with Chief Irons and things like that, they're relatively minor, and at least I can understand them. Wesker, I didn't get why they did that much of a change. Yeah, I don't but, get it. Yeah, but with Chief Irons, as much as I wish I'd, we could have seen more of the original Chief Irons, mm. I get it. We need to expedite yeah. for, for time. Yeah. Lisa but Trevor, like why said- don't we get more of a background? I get it. We have to expedite yeah. for time. But Wesker, why do we have to make him just a generic soldier it's like I said fuck me right off it's like I said there is literally you could make him turn out to be an umbrella stooge and nothing in your plot actually has to change no you can still have him betray stars you can still have him kill Birkin yep it just plays better yeah it doesn't make him seem like yeah. He, it, it he seems like seems they, like they a went frat out boy who got out of his debt. They went out of their way to try and humanise him, mm. and I think that was the big problem because like, it, it, what, who they chose to humanise was interesting as well because they chose to humanise Lisa Trevor, mm. which I can understand because she's got a tragic backstory to begin with. Mm. Uh, but they've gotten rid of all of the sort of villain elements to like you know the psychotic. Yeah, she isn't attacking anyone. No, she's uh, apart from the liquor. Apart from the liquor, yeah. Apart from which, you know, fair enough. Kill the fucking thing. They sort of humanise her completely down into a more of a hero role. Wesker they humanise down into being, A, just a generic soldier, and B, kind of a misunderstood anti-hero or anti-villain. Uh, more of an anti-villain, I suppose, because he does do villainous things. So I think those were bad choices that didn't need to happen, certainly not with Wesker. What I did like about this film is that there was a lot more references. I mean, you, there was more references in this one film than all six of the Paul W.S. Anderson Resident Evils oh, combined yeah. uh, by a the, long the margin. first aid poster, on, first aid spray poster yep. on the wall. Yep. It's the, all the fine details. Yeah, the doll from Remake 2. Yep. Um, and we're going to do a retrospective of all the films we've watched this year but this is the thing that I find interesting as well for you, you one of the things you enjoyed was that you were watching this film and there's all of these little bits mm. you know that harken back to the games they mean fuck all 
to a casual audience. Yeah. You know, if and you... this is what I mean. I don't know if I said this on the episode or if I said it before we press record. You... This feels like a film where they went, fuck the general audience. This right. is just for the fans. Sure. Again, I hate to be just banging the drum about Super Mario Brothers movie, but it is very similar in that the story isn't great. But the actual production side and all of the in things for the fans and all of the references, they are absolutely top class. Yeah. The only difference is, is the Super Mario Brothers adds in loads of really top class references within a world that isn't like the games, whereas Resident Evil adds all of those top-class references into a world that is very similar to the games. Mm. Because they, you know, as you say, they reproduce certain things like the Spencer Mansion, and the, uh, the, the RPD and the Orphanage. So the references aren't just, oh, there's a poster there about Resident Evil. You know, you've actually got the locations with the posters there. Yeah. So it is a little bit better in that regard. Don't get me wrong, this isn't a perfect film, and no. even the fanboy in me can't sit here and go, this is like an Oscar-winning film. This is what it needs to be. It's a B-movie. Yep. It's fun. Yep. I would definitely be open to seeing more from Johannes Roberts. So would I, I agree I, with that. I think he did a very good I, job with what little he has. He was given. I hear on the grapevine, I can't say how, um, but obviously me and you are involved in the film industry. Yeah, yeah, Kind yeah. of, at a very indie level. Uh, we're trying. Through some connections... <laughs> Who knows someone who knows someone. <laughs> Through knows I, people who knows who people who knows. From what I hear, there are a lot of problems in this film that were not Johannes Roberts's fault, but were studio interference. And you can feel that. Yeah, which again, very similar to Super Mario Brothers the movie. Very similar to Silent Hill Revelation. Very similar which to was a lot same, of films. Which yeah. was the same studio. Yeah. They just um, can't they just can't fucking leave it alone, well, can they? I, I, oh, I we're listening- gonna hire an, a, a director with a really high artistic vision and then we're gonna tell him to fuck off. Well I was listening to a podcast. Why bother? <laughs> I was listening to a podcast earlier, I'm not gonna say which one because I don't want to get them in trouble, where they said, and do you know what I think they might be right, they said Sony Screen Gems is the worst studio in Hollywood for interfering with well, if they could have interfered a little bit better with distribution, so I could have watched it the first day I went to the fucking cinema. Yeah. I'll shoot that one straight at Screen Gems. Uh, yeah. Like I went to watch it and I couldn't because you had corrupted your download file. Yeah. I hope I do hope that it does well in the Asian market where it's opening next. Yep. I, I hope it does well enough that we get that damn Code Veronica film. Yes. But, but man, you've got to give him a little bit more budget. The fact this has got less budget than It doesn't any... need a huge budget. No, but not it a needs huge one. But it definitely needed more. Oh, yeah. And to be fair, in some ways, Code Veronica's easier to do because there's not... You know, Birkin has eight fucking forms in the game. You know, Alexia Ashford only really has three. Well, she's got a normal self. She's well, got... four if you count her human form. So. Oh, really? Yeah, so human... I know you've got the, the flicking blood. Human blood. monster. The first monster yeah, yeah, yeah. where she's still kind of human, but yeah, flicks yeah, yeah. blood. The big form where she's got the big base. Yes. Blood. And then the final dragonfly form. Oh, shit, I forgot the dragonfly form. Um, yeah, no, you're right, yeah. I no. just need, if you do do this film, Johannes Roberts, there's a few things I need you to do. Love me. One... Invite me. One, I need accurate pleas to the game... I need that Wesker versus Alexia fight. Yes. I need it. 
Give him cut the gulp worm. I don't need the gulp worm. I would like Nosferatu to still be in it. Oh yeah. I definitely want the Bandersnatchers because the Bandersnatchers are awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, the ones with these stretchy arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know you might get in some trouble for this because of the current society we live in, but you got to do the Alfred Ashford dressed as Alexia storyline. Like that's the problem. Yeah. I've actually heard rumors that that's why Capcom aren't going to remake Code Veronica because they can't do that they can't part get of the story the guy. without offending somebody but then uh, maybe but I'm just but saying then they're a, a Japanese rumor. company and generally they don't care I mean like they yeah, may not release it over overseas maybe that's the reason because yeah. like for example and Dead or Alive yeah. st- like they did some of their hottest games if you put that in quotation marks and made them only release in Japan yeah. so See, Japanese companies is, tend not to care if they no, still only release the, them locally the problem is, is so Resident Evil sales figures have been declining in Japan for years right so fun fact here's the problem with Resident Evil it's a series that's made in japan but has always done better in the west than it's done in japan yeah but when it did its best in japan was drawing what i consider the worst error of the franchise four five and six the the action oriented games put it this way operation raccoon city was like number one in japan for weeks and it's still got a hardcore player base online Okay. Whereas over here it was because fun fact, if you listen to the Resident Evil podcast, there is a wonderful anecdote. This guy, I don't know his name, he's part of the community. This guy bought when Operation Raccoon City was coming out, he thought it was going to be a big hit, and he'd is he'd come into an inheritance somehow. He basically tried to be a scalper. He bought like five hundred copies of the game to sell on for more money, and he couldn't sell any of them because no one wanted it. I but, mean, yeah, maybe wait for the mainline games before yeah. you do shit like but that. Yes, the film, and even then, 6 probably wouldn't work. But yeah, the but, film, um, the, I, okay. I enjoyed it. I had a good yeah. time. I think most of the changes were for the better. Some weren't. It just really bugs me. I would love to know Johannes Roberts' thought. Not that he would, but Johannes Roberts, if you could please reach out. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, yeah. just as, <laughs> as independent filmmakers ourselves, we'd love to talk to you about this. I'd love to I know... I find it what, fascinating. I think it was a... But it's, first of all, it's yeah. an impossible task. Like mad respect to you. Oh no, no even I two said, games. How the hell? I don't know how it. Like how he got it this consistent. Yeah. And I know there's issues with it as we've outlined. Two games which but technically, fuck me. <laughs> two games which between them technically have six campaigns. Yep. And yet he crushed them all into one film, and it, yeah. it works. It's it's followable, and again, it's followable by us as fans. But it was also followable by my girlfriend, who doesn't know the series, no sod all yeah. about Resident Evil. But yes, I'd love it if he could get in touch. I'd love to know what his thinking was behind not having Wesker be Wesker. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe his idea was that he could maybe develop Wesker over a series or a trilogy. But yeah, but I don't. Again, it might be me lacking vision, but I don't see how you get from this version of Wesker to proper Wesker. No, I agree with you on that. Maybe, yeah. So that'd be interesting. So I suppose we better ask the penultimate question. It's probably an obvious, but we we've got to do it efficiently, Jamie. Would you recommend Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City? So, I know you want me to just give a quick answer, but you know me. So, I've actually been struggling with this question all day. It's a difficult question, I because would say. Because there is part of me that thinks that a non-fan of the game wouldn't get it, mm. but you've just said that uh, your your partner got it and understood it. Yeah, she enjoyed herself. So, I think for me... I think she took it as brainless stupidity, yeah. but that's why she got it. She I didn't think, really care about the details. I think for me, it's a recommend for two groups of people. A, Resident Evil fans. Yep. And two, 
people who are fans of 80s-style, low-budget horror movies. Yeah. Things like Evil Dead, things like John Carpenter movies. I think you'll really like that. It's something that doesn't get made much anymore. That's true. If you can accept the limitations that the budget imposes on the film... I think you could have a good time watching this. I certainly had a good time. I'll definitely be buying this on DVD when it comes out. I will definitely be watching it again. Yeah, so will I. Yeah. So for me, I'm going to mirror a lot of what Jamie said. I'll just keep it short and sweet. Yes, I would recommend it. I would say, like, it was difficult for a little while. It took me a few days to work with my rain around to a yes. Mm. Because at first I was like, yeah, it's a bit cheesy, though. It's not as brilliant as it could have been. But then I realised that last week I said 2002 Resident Evil, I would recommend to anyone who's after a brainless action flick. Mm. Which I still stand by. As If you're after, like, if you want something decent, don't bother. But if you would want something just brainless fun action, 2002 Resident Evil is, gr- is fun enough. Mm. And I already stated that's a, that's only as good as a solid 5 out of 10. It's no higher than that. This film is better than that. Yeah. This film is is uh, got to be at least a 6.5 or a 7 out of 10 minimum. Because it, it while it's not a brilliant story, it could be scripted better. The elements are all there. It's fascinating. It feels unique. In a similar way that I stated about Super Mario Brothers when we covered that, and I said the reason I love it is because it feels unique and it feels like there's a lot more to tell Mm. about the history of that film alone, let alone maybe an expanded universe, as there is the possibility here with a sequel to Welcome to Raccoon City. I would love to see a sequel to this by Johannes Roberts. And I feel that, as you say, that there's a lot that seems to be deleted or missing. And I'd love to know what that is. There was a lot of love put into the production. I solidly recommend it. So you're recommending it. This is your first recommendation if you're recommending it. Yeah. You're recommending it? Yeah. Hey! Nine films in and you recommended... No, eight yeah. films in, you recommended don't, one. Don't worry, it won't be happening again until Silent Hill. No, come from now. you don't know that. You don't know that. I want you to recommend The Wizard when we get round to The Wizard. I haven't seen The Wizard, so no. we'll see. That's I'm our mine. Christmas Eve film, 1989's The Wizard, I which might. is infamously a big Nintendo commercial. Yeah, I might like that. But so It's it's um, a more emotional film than most people give it credit for. There's a, there's a film that we're going to be doing at some point, I'm not going to name it, that I haven't seen in a long time. But if it's as good as I remember it being... I will recommend, even though it's a film that has a notoriously bad reputation. Ooh. Um, but, but we won't get there for a while. So <laughs> fair enough. I think that's that's us done, isn't it? We've yeah, got a worst we line. We've got a possibility of worst lines ever with "You snooze, you lose." It's a Jill sandwich now, and the other one, which was, uh, "How would you rather die, swallowed whole by a snake, or be eaten by a great white shark?" So we've got two possibilities there for worst line ever. We could probably put both on and see how we feel in a few weeks time mm-hmm. um and we both recommend it it's a first it's 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 the first time we've had a, a, a double green first <laughs> unanimous recommend yeah which is ironic because all the a lot of people are saying how shit this film is because it's not yeah. what they thought it would be yeah i don't get it i really don't, I don't yeah and, some and this, people this see- is how i feel about this i'll tell you what this is exactly how i feel i know we'll get around to it when we do the episode um need for speed mm. i don't get it because that film has like this it has scripting issues but the actual story and the emotion and the way that then the action mm. is fucking stellar in that film 
and it annoys me when people are like, oh, it's just a terrible piece of shite, because they wanted fucking Fast and the Furious again, and they wanted some chav going, hey, Bo Wick, at the fucking window, rather than what they got, which was a fucking remake of a 70s classic. So, yeah, I'm going to go off on that when we Wait, get to... Wait, is Need for Speed a remake? Kind of. A spiritual, spiritual remake. Of? The, the film I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah but it's was a, it a remake of? The 70s film Vanishing Point. Oh, okay. Yeah, man. It's, yeah. Vanishing, so, yeah. Oh, we'll get to that when we get to that episode. But this is what annoys me, is people look at it and go, well, it's not like Fast and the Furious, so there's no Vin Diesel sweating his muscles everywhere. And I'm like, it wouldn't be, because it's based on Groot. 70s action films, you twat. Anyway, so I, I understand how you feel. People looking at it going, oh, well, it's mm. uh, actually a bit shit because it's not like your Vivich films. And you're like, mm. of course it's not, you fucking melt. Yeah. Oh. I've gotten really swear I was, this I was, I, was ang- <laughs> I was angered to see Paul Anderson get an exec producer credit on this. Oh. Did you see his name come I up? didn't. Oh, yeah. I'm glad I didn't. Yeah. And now I'm sad I know. I know. But anyway, that's it for us, guys. Welcome to Raccoon City. City. The first Think- film that we both recommend. Fingers crossed it gets a sequel. It re- if you haven't seen it yet, try and go see it before it comes out of cinemas. It's really nowhere near as bad as people are making it out to be. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I had a great time. Temper your expectations for B-movie fun and you will absolutely enjoy yourself. I guarantee it. Okay, so that's all from us for this week. Do tune in to our Discord. Follow us on whatever whatever you're using, be it Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, Google Music, whatever you want to use. Hello to all of our listeners around the world, because we have now noted that we have got listeners from Japan quite frequently. We apologise for insulting you, Japan. Yes, we love you, really. I've played all the Yakuza games, so I love Japan. That's... I think that's like when somebody goes, I've got a black friend, isn't it? I've heard Yakuza, so I love Japan. I can't be racist, I have a black friend. To be fair, I've been to Japan, so I know. Have you? Yeah, yeah, in 2006, I enjoyed myself, they were very lovely. So I'm I'm being a little bit crass when I, as you say, entertaining when we're doing this. Uh, But yeah, do join us on all of our our stuff. Next week, we're going to be doing the TV series, 1989 TV series, of The Legend of Zelda. And then following, and that's for your birthday, Jamie. And then following that, we are going to be doing doing our Christmas Eve episode, which will be... The Wizard. Yeah! Of Oz. No. Now that we're alone, ladies and gentlemen, Jamie has had a change of heart. He has decided that he was wrong, and that the Miljovic films were, in fact, the superior films from the Resident Evil franchise. Specifically... Resident Evil, the final chapter, which he now considers a cinematic masterpiece, certainly rivaling that of the original Star Wars trilogy, but better than all three films combined in one singular outing. When you then include the other five films, which of course are all amazingly stellar films, he believes that the Paul W.S. Anderson trilogy, or double trilogy, is the best films ever. Oh, mate! Yeah, I just kept it silent while you were... Didn't say anything. (laughs) 